Hello there, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud. And today we are talking about the astrology of September. And I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Sam Reynolds. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank yeah. you for having me, Spencer. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and chatting with you again. I, Sam and I have hung out a few times at various conference type things and um, really enjoyed our time together. So uh, really excited to have you on the show. Um, if you are joining us from Digital Land, please leave a comment in the chat box and tell us where you're coming from. If you have any questions today, you can put them in the chat box as well. We're testing out a new feature as we have just recently passed a thousand subscribers on the Spencer Michaud Astrology channel. They're called Super Chats and Super Stickers. And uh, if you want to hit the little dollar sign button, you can make a donation to the show or ask a question and have it highlighted. And I will see it in the chat box. Thank you all of you who have been using that service so far. Really appreciate you keeping the lights on here. Um, so we have some people stopping in sam we've got simon from montreal we've got wendy coming in from seattle tanya's here from inside the house <laughs> yes. hello tanya there you go we've got uh amy's from northeastern ohio cyril is here hello cyril um we've got june coming from maui jackie is coming from kennett square pennsylvania i know where that is okay yeah. bali indonesia yeah um arcana cool that's a cool name it is. Yeah. So coming and I can from... see it. I went to the chat, but I paused. So it's nice. not like with the sound. So I can see the chat. So that's cool. Nice. Brussels. We got an international crowd here. We're go we're a little late for my European friends, but some of them are hanging in there with us today. Very cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. So Sam, tell us a little bit more about yourself. If there are some folks out there that aren't, aren't familiar with uh, well, what sure you there do. Are there are plenty who aren't familiar who don't know about me, yeah. even though I've been out out and about. Um, so I am originally from Buffalo, New York. That's where I was born, but I lived in Philadelphia. I lived for two decades in the New York City area. So my heart goes out to those of you who are in New York and waiting through all that remains of Hurricane Ida. And now I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And um, I have been practicing astrology. We're studying astrology and practicing for three decades and um, familiarizing myself with all kinds of different forms of astrology. And I got into astrology trying to disprove it. I came into it as a skeptic. Um, I still wear my skeptic hat, you know, because one of the things I'm about is, you know, not just having astrology make sense, but, you know, to make sure that, you know, we both have Jupiter's in Virgo. So one thing we can say, or I can say about Jupiter and Virgo you know, kind of looking at the details, you know, God is in the details, oh, yeah. the devil too, but, you know, um, and kind of paying attention to, you know, what that means and what we can understand about astrology from looking at it from a critical gaze, not just as like, oh, it works, you know, anything could work, but it's kind of like more to understand why. One of the things I'm about as a teacher and also as a practitioner is to know your why. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and and I find that with Jupiter and Virgo, answering one question leads to ten more. That seems yep. to be the modus operandi with this placement. So, I think that our, uh, you know, we're eternal students, wouldn't you say? Yep. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. And I see Arcana. You're, yeah, I just been in Santa Fe since May. 
Um, and I had breakfast that week with Jason Holly. So yeah, um, I do know him. Nice. Um, I won't say well, but yeah, we we're very familiar with each other. So yeah, Jason Holly has some really great talks on the mythological symbolism with the um, with the planets and with the signs and whatnot. I enjoyed his talk at um, Norwalk recently. So yeah, Norwalk is a great conference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, shout out to the Nelbandians for putting that together. Um, all right, so Sam. Do you have anything coming up in the hopper and where can we find you? So we'll do that to start off so everyone can kind of check out your stuff. So, yeah. Um, so I will have beginner and inter and advanced classes starting next month. I'm finishing a round of my intermediate class and my advanced class, which I'll say what those cover in a second uh, this month. But starting in October, I'll be doing another round with the beginners and then going on to what we call Nitty Gritty 3. Nitty Gritty 3 is focused more on horary and electional astrology. Nitty Gritty 1 is for absolute beginners or those who want to learn how to read a chart. So the goal will be, and what I usually fulfill, is that you will know how to read a chart after you finish Nitty Gritty 1. The intermediate class is more how to read charts. So it's astrocartography, uh, we cover synastry and we cover predictive astrology. So how to look at multiple charts in relation to, say, the natal chart so that you can, you know, anticipate things. And you know, people are asking me, like, why would you move to Santa Fe? I mean, Santa Fe is a great place, but that's influenced partly by astrocartography. Sure. So how that lines up with my chart. And um, so if people want to find me, they can find more information about me at unlockastrology.com. And I am also going to be doing, so we're going to talk a little more about this, mm -hmm. a workshop for ESAR, an ESAR intensive on essential dignities. Very so cool. if people want to get a more in-depth understanding of essential dignities and how they're relevant, I'll give you the actual title yeah. of the topic. It's, is there anything essential and dignified about essential dignities in the 21st century? So <laughs> that is my intensive. It's four hours. And we plan to go the, you know, mainly the full hours, four hours. So there may be a break. Um, but yeah, if you want to get knee deep or even not knee deep, waist, waist deep um, into essential dignities, that's where you can go. And I'll, I'll put that in the chat. Yeah, put that in the chat go for, for the intensives. Um, and that's what's, what's coming up with me. Fantastic. So check out Sam's classes. Check out his intensive for ESAR that is coming up. What's the date on that intensive? It is October, hold on, October 2nd. October so 2nd. Just about, you know, less than a month from now. Yeah, and there is a link for um, Sam's website, Unlock Astrology, at the beginning of the chat. Also, I'm going to be doing a, a, a Deccans of Virgo webinar that's going to be starting tomorrow at 11 a.m. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Virgo and the mythology, the Deccans, the diamonds and spirits associated with it and doing a deep dive, uh, sort of the, the, the nitty gritty of Virgo. I love that word for Virgo in general. Um, come check it out and check out that link in the chat box here today. I've been working hard on the presentation. That's probably why I'm slower today. <laughs> it's a little later here at the East, the Eastern uh, time yeah, zone, you know. All right, so Sam, any initial thoughts uh, about September? How did we do in August and where are we heading? Uh, well, one thing that strikes me 
is that, you know, we go from having some planets that were in strong dignity during August into some planets that lose their dignity. And that really stands out. And one of the things I plan to talk about today with you is what that means. Um, because a lot of people think like, oh, you know, Venus is going into Scorpio, Mars is going to Libra, Sun is going into Libra, everything's going to get fucked up, which is not true, right? I mean, I think there's some challenges that are definitely true for September, um, including kicking it off with the Mars-Neptune opposition, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're seeing various manifestations of the uh, Mars-Neptune opposition, but you know, one of them that I unfortunately call because I'm, you know, I don't do a lot of mundane astrology, but I did tell my students just during we have office hours during Tuesday. I said one of the things to expect when Mars has that opposition to Neptune is something like fanatical, you know, issues, you know, fanaticism. Yeah. So we did have fanatic, fanaticism show up in Auckland, New Zealand, where some people, um, I think more like along the spectrum of the Tamil Tigers who perpetrated some terrorist acts in Auckland. Mm, yeah, we've been seeing temperatures rising for sure with uh, some of the social political landscapes recently. I, I just yeah. was reading an article today about people who are getting up in arms about um, a kid that had been put into like quarantine because he was having COVID symptoms and like some random parent that didn't even go to the school, uh, who didn't have a kid that went to the school, just like tried to uh, kidnap the principal with zip ties or something S- somewhere in the Southwest. I think it was in Arizona or something like that. <laughs> like, like there's just been some stuff that's been happening. And I think everybody has been losing a little bit of steam with this Mars uh, Neptune opposition at the beginning of the month too. Um, and one thing I wanted to add with that is, uh, We've got. You want to take a look at the chart here? Let's go for it. Here, let's let's dive in. So, just one of the things that I wanted to kind of piggyback off what you were saying. We've got this Mars-Neptune opposition here, and um, one thing that is been sticking out to me is that we've got Mars under the beams right now. Hmm. So Mars just did its uh, helical setting where it's been, you know, they say in medieval astrology, it's like a, you know, person taking to their sickbed. So we're trying to maybe start all these new things and take action on all these, you know, Virgo placements in our, in our life. But, um, but Mars is feeling a little, little fatigue right now. It's, it's getting ready to get reborn in the heart of the sun in October. So I think that's one thing that, that sticks out to me as far as just the general astrology. Um, have you been feeling any of that lately as far as absolutely like, but you know yeah. for me it's cyclical yeah i think maybe it's come it comes with this you know it's maybe a little exacerbated but one of the things that i love about astrology is observing cycles so usually three weeks or so before the equinox the autumnal equinox i feel a great amount of fatigue i have to go to bed earlier yeah um i have some trouble sleeping and then the opposite end will happen uh, closer to the to the equinox, where I will stay up later mm-hmm. and um, need to get up earlier. So it's kind of a I think something also related to the light for me. Yeah, um, yeah. that's something I've long observed. I mean, going back oh thirty something years more. So 
But yeah. now, I mean, that also is exacerbated by the drain that we experience between Mars, Neptune, and then the heliacal setting of Mars. Yeah, and we're coming up on a new Mars cycle that might be a little funky too with the the dignities, you know, as you were saying. Uh, that that Kazemi is going to be at 15 degrees of, of Virgo. And so tell us a little bit about the condition of Mars and the sun in Libra. <laughs> like, you want to start with that now? <laughs> well, well, I mean, as a preview maybe for this, uh, you know, what we're feeling I mean, with Mars first, and where we're going. I mean, first, it's probably important to tell people what Kazemi means, right? Sure, so sure. Kazemi means more going into the heart of the sun. Um, in Greek or, yeah, in Greek, it's ekakardios. It's the idea of, you know, being in the bosom. So, you know, you said it exactly as I also see it, which is that, you know, a planet is being reborn. Mercury goes through this regularly, Venus semi-regularly in terms of when she has her retrograde cycle. Um, Mercury goes through it more often. And it is as, you know, the, the planet is hiding, going more toward the sun or the sun is heading more toward the planet. It is going through this rebirth. So it's on sea legs initially. But the bosom part of being, I think, almost encoded with the secrets of, of that moment related to the sun's position, that planet's position, can be quite powerful. Hmm. Uh, and one thing to know about a planet in its detriment, which is true for Mars, and the planet in its fall, which is going to be true for the sun, but we both can say that they're you know, I'll just say I fucked up in a sense by planetary position. Sure. Now, again, I do want to have a caveat. If you have planets in those signs, in those positions, that does not mean you are fucked up, right? It doesn't mean yeah. that something's wrong with you or blah, blah, blah. But what it does highlight, especially with the Kazemi, is that it's going to highlight more ways in which we're going against the grain or things are going against the grain. Um, I look at essential dignity as more a statement of belonging and how we find, have the arc of belonging in community, in culture, in society, however you want to define it. And when a planet is in detriment or in its fall, which is more where it has a a heightened attitude or awareness related to its condition, it's where one can be caught up in not feeling like you're belonging. Now you may say like, well, that sounds bad. That sounds like it won't be good. But think about where the moments where you haven't belonged, what you've done. Many people find ways in which they create a different way of belonging. Um, they also may also um, find a different way they belong with different sets of people. Mm-hmm. And so this might bring up some issues related to relationship, but because we're also talking about Mars, we're talking about action. So right. there's kind of a reset that may also come with that. So the reset can be good, or bad, you know, depending on how you want to talk about good or bad. A good example might be, let's say you've been single for a while and you've been like, well, I've been thinking about getting out there and mingling and socializing. Mars might help with that. Let's say you've been tied for a while or you've been in connection with for a while with someone you're not feeling as connected to. This might be the break. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, you know, Mars and the sun are going to be hosted by Venus, right? We've got Right. I like this. Um, you know, are you familiar with the astrology Martin Hermes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a speaker I've seen talk about some Hellenistic astrology techniques. And the metaphor he makes that I really like is, 
he talks about the planets in the house being the potter and the planets that are providing as host being the clay. So we've got Venus providing clay for both Mars and the sun for this particular Kazemi moment. And one interesting thing that I guess we'll get there, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but there will be a mutual reception between Venus and Mars at that point. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like I, the metaphor I like with this one is Mars is giving weapons, uh, you know, from Venus, like pillows to fight with. You know, <laughs> like, it's like he usually wants to create some kind of. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to tickle you to death with this feather, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that may not be the most like, uh, you could still like, you know, drive someone crazy, but it's not normal, right? It's not within the the mainstream or, or in the, the normal way of having a conflict. So, you know, maybe the, that takes the form of per, some passive aggressiveness or like normally things like relationships you were t- bringing up where relationships normally are things where we feel love and unity maybe those are the uh, battlefields for Mars and whatnot as well. Yeah, or it can be a reclamation. You know, I think about, um, you know, I'm inspired by um, Intazaki Shange's um, choreo poem for colored girls who considered suicide when the rainbow is not enough. And there's a poem in there that I think about often. I even have written about it on my website. Um, There's a poem in that that choreo poem called someone almost ran away with all my stuff and i think that also harks to the idea of venus venus recognizing where she's experienced loss Mm -hmm. but then that becomes a work of reclamation yeah yeah i like that catharsis almost right Mm -hmm. yeah and what's often used related to venus i mean it's almost hackneyed at this point is you know inanna you know kind of coming up from the underworld and reclaiming her body first of all in her life and then all the other things that that belong to her right right when she goes down to meet with Ereshkigal in the underworld yeah right yeah being stripped of all her adornments so mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a really interesting story um so we're starting out here let's do some orderly things and I love Astro Gold man I'm sorry to yeah, interrupt you, it's a great program I, isn't it? It. I went back to Windows and you know, when you have it on the Mac, it's a great thing. It's a great program. Yeah, it's pretty. And they, they just added this new, these it's new nice, wheels. Yeah. This is, these are the bound rulers, but we also yeah. have one that has the Deccan rulers Deccan. as well, which would be a good one for today, but we'll keep the bound lords on here. But one thing I did want to point out before we kind of dive into more of the, the, the details for our Virgo audience, we have a lot of Virgos in the audience that they, they're attracted to this channel for sure. So um, is that the the second decan of Virgo is going to be kind of the first third of our month here. So we've got the sun moving through that area of the zodiac from uh, September the 2nd to September the 12th. And that decan is the Venus-Saturn ruled decan. So there is the Venus ruled by the Chaldean rulers and then Saturn by the triplicity method. And, you know, Austin Kopic talks about this as the hammer and the anvil of Hephaestus. So kind of the hard, dirty work that may have to happen to create balance and beauty. He talks about that dichotomy. Um, Yeah, this is a really interesting decan as far as bringing matter into form. So I, I like kind of just kind of setting the stage for all of these other aspects, because I think that a lot of the times where the sun is moving through, 
it's sort of bringing a point of awareness to something and like a canvas a lot of the times that we're going to be painting some of these other things on. It may be a focal point. I, I think that, you know, it shines the light on something. So we may be able to bring something, bring in, encapsulate spirit into matter. Uh, have you had any experiences like that as we begin this this decanic phase of Virgo? I don't know. I would have to think about it. I don't know if that immediately jumps out to me because I haven't looked at it through the prism of that decan. So, but it, it's, it makes sense because Libra is a, a, a very powerful time. Um, I can speak only more informally about the Northern Hemisphere, hmm. but we also see like, yeah, the either hammer eating, uh, hitting the anvil as dealing with, you know, the roots of change, you know, yeah the roots of how something is being altered, we're being altered, right? Right, And it also ties in something that's odd. I mean, I don't know if this is the politically correct phrase for it, but often what happens in the Northern hemisphere around this time is Indian summer, mm -hmm. you know, going even a little bit toward it. I mean, we're technically still in summer, um, but there's still the feeling of feeling the heat, but knowing that things are cooling. I'm particularly sensitive to that right now as I'm in Santa Fe, you know, because it's been hot, you know, various times. I can feel the coolness kind of coming in. It's refreshing yeah. at times, but I know that there's a, there's a shift, you know, almost as if the blower is coming on after the hammer and anvil. Yeah, it's a time of change, isn't it? With with being this um, mutable kind of cadent energy where we're transitioning um, between the end of summer and the fall, and you've got these harvest themes that are coming up. We may feel a little bit of that anxiety because we know that the the winter is coming. You know that that we have to, um, you know, be able to figure out uh, what is going to be stored for the winter from the harvest of the summer and what we need to return to the earth. So that discriminatory type of function um, to be able to find value. I think that's right. one- Before we take it to market, I mean, that's kind yeah. of one way in which one has described the transition between Virgo and Libra. I mean, you talked about it in terms of discernment, being yeah. able to figure out what we want to store and want to keep as we then go toward the scales of yeah. balancing that toward, yes, what we want to keep as well, but also what we might want to sell yeah. um, and and transfer and have some measure of commercial success with. And, and have our wares be judged, right? And sort of that's like, like Mott in the underworld, you know? That's right. So, okay, so, so that's what we're gonna be seeing as the canvas. One other interesting little tidbit, uh, the, the spirit of this Deccan is the Moirai, who were the spinners of fate. So there are some themes of weaving things into matter and, and apportioning lots and things of that nature. So some really interesting kind of little like mythological bits that can give us maybe some extra insight. Where's that uh, spirit idea from? So there is a, a number of different texts that talk about the different spirits inhabiting the Deccans, but one that I draw upon is called the 36 heirs of the Zodiac. And it was a fragmentary Hellenistic text um, that they uncovered that talked about these kind of like spirits that inhabit these particular areas of the zodiac um yeah it's, re it's really fascinating it, it's really fascinating to see how it kind of all kind of fits together that the the early way that they used the decans in egypt was as like you know houses for the for the Absolutely. gods you know and uh you can really see a lot of the symbolism in the 
particular constellations and stars that are rising and the images that they were presenting. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of the understated foundations for what we talk about as Western astrology. It was really kind of the, the idea of the horoscopos really comes from the movement of the decans, mm -hmm. you know, above the horizon. The hour markers, right? Yeah, because they couldn't tell time in the nighttime. <laughs> they tell time by the stars, you know, not through the shadows of the sun. So that, that's kind of a neat, neat little thing. Um, so Sam, we've, we've sort of uh, gone over Mars opposite Neptune. Any other insights with that, that aspect that we're going through right at the moment as well? Well, I mean, the other thing I will say for people to contemplate, and I always like to use that word when we're talking about work like this, contemplate, considere, consider. Considere means to think with your stars. And particularly with a Mars-Neptune aspect, it's thinking about, I talked about the fanaticism, but there are a couple other ways we can talk about it, where we draw inspiration using Neptune toward our actions. Mm -hmm. um, and even thinking about where we might recommit in terms of particular actions, kind of harking back to our idealism. I also might say that it's good to think about where you have your sense of boundaries. You know, one of the things I've observed about Mars, Neptune is that it also can relate to porous boundaries where things kind of like, um, and this, this breaks down both in terms of, yeah, psychic boundaries that we may have with other people, but also physical boundaries. Hmm. So in this age of COVID, one thing to be careful of is compromises to your immune system. Yeah. So even though, yes, I've been having some trouble sleeping, I have no problems also trying to claim my sleep by going to bed early as I need to. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the reason why I'm emphasizing sleep, I think sleep, Neptune, is actually one of the conduits to complications in health um, mm -hmm. if you don't get enough of it. Um, oh, yeah. So I agree. I agree important. So, you know, we, we might feel the need to kind of do more Mars, but we may also need more Neptune. Yeah. So you're giving people permission to rest. Yeah. Rest <laughs> right. and yeah, as you need to take action, but as you like you opened up, as you may feel drained or where you have these boundaries, it, it, it's acknowledging that because what can happen is that you can have these compromises to your immune system. And any compromises to your immune system can go back to these things that we used to call what do they call Spencer? Hold on. Colds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That we used to have with colds, right? Remember when the worst thing you could have during the year at one point was either the flu or a cold? That was right. right. Was, that was the golden age, wasn't the golden it? Golden era. So now, <laughs> right. you, know, you, you don't want any problems related to COVID, whether you're vaccinated or not. I mean, right. one of the things, and I won't, you, I don't know where you're going to go with that or talking about it, but I'll say this. Um, you know, vaccinated people and unvaccinated people can transmit the virus. Sure. Right. You yeah. also can get the virus. Yep. So either way. So the key thing is to still boost, support your immune system. Well, we definitely believe in vaccines here on this channel and in the value of sleep and uh, the value of social distancing. I've been hermiting for like 17 months now. <laughs> like I've, I've been sounding the alarm bells for a long time and been very, very uh conservative about not going out and mingling i guess so uh we're not out of the woods yet yet folks is nope. what i think that's nope. what sam and i are saying it's just be be careful even and, and like you were saying even if you're vaccinated 
you can still get COVID and, and you might not end up in the ICU and die, but you could still give it to other people who are immune compromised or things like that. So, you know, definitely still uh, being um, judicious and cautious around this period of time, I think is, is important. Um, and, you know, one thing we didn't point out at the beginning of this too, is we got a, a whole mess of planets that are retrograde right now, including Saturn. And so what I found, you know, through some of my research is when Saturn's retrograde, some of the boundaries and limits uh, aren't functioning as well as they normally would. So we we might not be as as cautious or circumspect as we as we need to be, and that could lead to some um, some unwanted consequences when Saturn turns direct. And uh, I've kind of been keeping my eye out for that, and you know, trying to figure out how to stay on the right side of uh, old Kronos, you know. Yeah, and it ties into something that Tanya is talking about. Um, I think she's talking about the general time of year dealing with nostalgia. Mm -hmm. But right now we're dealing with a moon-Saturn opposition as well. So we might be also dealing with that, um, you know, sense of nostalgia and kind of harking back to things. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is a balsamic moon, too. That's another thing that may be leading to a little bit of a lack of energy around this period of time. We're at the end, very end of the moon cycle, getting ready to have that, um, the moon related to the body be reborn on Monday as well. So that could be leading to things. Yeah. And as we say this, Dimphi from Holland, who is one of our European friends, is saying, uh, (laughs) saying that inspirational at this time in the night, boundaries overboard because I should sleep now. Yeah, 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 I know. It's like midnight, one o'clock, maybe like closer to one o'clock. It's really late there. Dimphi is an awesome supporter of the show here, though. So thank you, Dimphi, for for being with us today. And hopefully we're, you know, maybe hopefully we'll put you to sleep (laughs) with our our dulcet tones. (laughs) Right. I hope so. All right. So, you know, that's that's what the Mars uh, Neptune opposition here. Um, the next day we're we're having on Saturday here, we're going to be seeing a, a, a trine. Like the big aspect I have on this day is the trine between Mercury and Saturn. Any initial thoughts on Mercury and Saturn well, trine? It's a great day for for anything related to to writing, organizing. I love Mercury Saturn aspects. I mean, I know some Astrologers I read, um, they will talk about the squares as dulling someone or the opposition is dulling. But what I have found is that it also highlights meticulousness. Mm-hmm. It's almost like having like Mercury and Virgo again. Yeah. Um, it gives a greater sense of stability and order related to the mind and endeavors of the mind um, and those who want to kind of accomplish with some sense of structure. So whether that's about planning your week or planning the balance of your year, um, or even speaking of balancing, you want to kind of balance your budget. These are mm-hmm. things that are well favored. We also have Venus on Spica that day. So, I mean, oh, I yeah. think that's really powerful. I mean, she's approaching Spica. It depends whether you want to use her as closer to the 24 degree mark. Yeah, I think this is close enough. I mean, Spica is a really bright fixed star um, around 24 degrees of Libra, but you're definitely going to feel it, you know, within a... I'd say at least a degree on either side because Spike is so bright, you know. So. Yeah, and she's within her terms, so I mean that's also powerful too. Yeah, Spike is awesome. I, I it, it's one of the most fortunate fixed stars, you know. Yep. It's it's basically the 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 peak harvest point. It's like the grain in Demeter's hands, you know. Yeah, um, I mean it's like the foundation used Titra is the star that sidereal astrologers used related to the you know yeah. setting their Ionamsha, so 
Yeah, and it it was a protective star for for sailors as well. They called it the Stella Maris, which was uh, you know a, a star that helped guide sailors and um, was a protector of of the seamen, so to speak. <laughs> so it always makes me giggle whenever I say it. But suddenly we became sixth graders. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so intense mental focus for mercury saturn on saturday a great time to study the decans of virgo if you want to why is that spencer because there will be a webinar tomorrow at 11 a.m eastern time if you want to sign up for that we'll be doing a deep dive and going into a lot of mental focus and hopefully uh bringing some clarity and light into all of those things all right so let's move forward to the fifth yeah, Spike is going to ask about that. They were like, isn't Venus going to square Pluto? Mm. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's mm. coming. There it is. So, yeah, we've got a, a Venus-Pluto square here um, from the last degrees of Libra to Capricorn. What do you think, Sam? Well, I mean, it's a superior square, so I do like Venus yeah. kind of having the upper hand there. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I, I say, okay, I'm not so big into um, people talking about, um, what do they call it? The uh, higher higher dimensions of a planet. What do they call that when you say uh, Pluto is the... Um, the higher vibration of yeah, something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if, they're going to, if there's going to be something like that, mm -hmm. then I would say Pluto is the higher vibration of Venus. I agree both, with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Both relate to desire. Mm -hmm. They even kind of look alike, right? The glyphs yeah. um, that we're using. And when Venus Pluto is, especially by a square, it's talking, thank you, Wendy, um, the higher octave. Um, when you when you feel the, the energy of Venus Pluto square, it's going to heighten one sense of desire. Mm. Now, on the positive spectrum of that, that can be, you know, it's great for a date. It's a Sunday, you know, or hanging out or great for, you know, after the date, right? Mm. Whatever that might mean for people. Right? <laughs> Although with Venus and Pluto, I mean, they might get a little, hey, a little spicy. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> have an intense. This is um, Sam and Spencer after hours. Right. <laughs> right You're listening to the wave 93.5. Yeah. Um, We're like, go ahead. But yeah, I think that heightens the, the the powerful parts of it. Yeah. Because I look at squares as a signature related to Mars. I mean, mm -hmm. it can also amp up dynamic tensions. Again, this might be where, you know, it's great if you're getting along as a couple, you great have good communication as a couple, but it can be one of those points where it's kind of like, are we really feeling each other? Are we really sure. communicating? So it can highlight that dynamic tension where also one can become more obsessive mm -hmm. um, with each other. Um, I do think it's, you know, independent of talking about relationships, it might be good in terms of artistic projects mm. or anything that's to bring more beauty in your life, whether that's kind of hanging, you know, things or shopping for particular things, whether that's to adorn yourself or adorn your home or any other thing. Yeah, I, I really like what you're talking about with, Pluto related to Venus. And I, and I say that because I think both planets are cathartic planets. Um, 
you know, Aphrodite was responsible for the the purity of the Greek theater back in in ancient times, where you know she was saying, did they express emotion that allowed us to cleanse ourselves? And there's cleansing uh, aspects to Venus as well. Yeah, and she's associated with white, right? Yeah, exactly. And and we have we have um, Pluto. I like to call Pluto like the the clogged toilet planet <laughs> like, because it just like it always seems like it brings up stuff that's been repressed. You know, it's been pushed down underground, and then it erupts like Hades. You know, out of the ground and says, "Okay, you got to deal with me." And there might be something. There may be, you know. I would echo that this is a it'll be an interesting time for love because it could bring up maybe even some power dynamics between people um that third decan of virgo talks about maintaining your equilibrium uh even when um, chaotic situations are swirling around you like like peace comes from the inside out in that area of the zodiac and the third deck in capricorn is sort of about bureaucratic systems so i wonder if there's some negotiation about you know how you organize your relationship and things of that nature that makes um, sense yeah you know and yeah venus will also be going toward her i mean we're going to talk about it the next day but yeah. she's going toward her trying to jupiter yeah so we're yeah. going to transfer from pluto to jupiter there yeah. right so maybe uh, we... although june hate good has said no I, I wonder what they're saying no to <laughs> like some some relationship challenges yeah or you know or that you know so you know june kind of weigh in let us know what yeah. you yeah what you mean but yeah i mean i think you know I, I vibe with what you're saying yeah and i want to say thank you to lisa for the super sticker uh, she's sending us some vibes here so thank you lisa for that very much appreciate your support um yeah i think that it, it's an interesting point that you bring up about the transition from venus to, and pluto to the trine with jupiter um i think that maybe when we go through the dark, dirty work of unclogging some issue that we might have, that can really lead to uh, a feeling of release. And I, I think that with this trying to Jupiter, that's probably a point of, of you know, harmony and release. Um, Jupiter is in the third decan of Aquarius. And that's, that's sort of uh, associated with the seven of, of swords, which is about leaving the past behind. So maybe it's like a, maybe you have a minor argument but then you can say well let's let bygones be bygones right and kind of go, yeah. go about your business and and finally move forward finally untie some kind of knot that's been you know a blockage or an obstruction i think that could be something like that and i think just to clarify i'm gonna you know because yeah. there's a little mini discussion going on i think yeah. uh because june is saying no it's not clogged i think you actually were saying the opposite about you know pluto being the the clogged toilet he unclogs oh yeah right? he's the unclogger yeah exactly saturn could be the, the clogger <laughs> yeah yeah pluto says oh you've got a clogged toilet i'm gonna explode it all over <laughs> your right. bathroom right until you it, it forces you i think you know i think the planets bring us maybe some circumstances and and we we get to choose on some level how we respond to them, right? I think that Pluto may bring you a situation that shows you where something is corrupt or something has been ignored through it, you know, volcanic erupting or something like that. And then you get to clean it up, you know, that's, you know, that's your, that's your agency, right? Yeah, I mean, Pluto resonates, I think, on where you, you know, sometimes you've hidden your truths, 
um, and he surfaces them, especially, you know, as he's, you know, retrograde and as he's kind of, you know, trying to bring things forth. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, you know, more your desires that you haven't fully owned. Mm. Yeah. Tanya says Pluto is the plunger. <laughs> the plunger. There you go. Perfect. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And Wendy is saying a hidden benefit that arises out of that intensity. I, I think that's a good point, Wendy, because we do still have Venus fairly close to uh, Spica at that point. So maybe some kind of gift through going into those dark corners and being willing to face um, some of the stuff we may have ignored and be willing to plunge into some of those things. And that sounds like a reward of Saturn. I mean, both of those planets are in signs that favor Saturn. Saturn, yeah. you know, Venus is exalting Saturn. Pluto is receiving Saturn or Saturn receives um, Pluto. Mm-hmm. And so it really does highlight this way in which if you're willing to do the work, the discipline, the attunement, then you can receive the blessings. Yes, absolutely. All right. So let's take a look at the next little thing we've got on the list here. Uh, The next thing I've got on the 6th is a new moon. Um, We did a pretty big deep dive on this recently with uh, Dulcie Cardinal and Tatiana Hassan of Astrology Victoria. So if you want an hour and a half long on the new moon, check that video out. But Sam, give us some thoughts on this new moon. How How do you see it playing out? Well, I mean, what I I like about it, you know, in terms of its, um, you know, connection to Uranus, it definitely harkens some way in which we're dealing with some dimension of, oh, wow, that's really cool for you to to get it right there. It definitely harkens some innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people associate Virgo with the idea of perfectionism. And I don't think that's fair. Virgo is more about efficiency, mm-hmm. more the idea of what can be pruned yeah. in order to have it take better form and improve. Yes. Um, and so being aligned with Uranus and especially related to that earthiness, I think qualifies a certain way in which we are more attentive to our form. And I mean, all kinds of form, whether we're talking about physical form, the form of things we, we're doing, whether you're in the gym and you want to be more attentive to your actual form and working out and exercise, or whether you're doing that at home, um, I think it becomes more that innovative spirit of renewal related to ourselves. I think we might also start to feel a little more energy, um, you know, starting to with the new moon, kind of the drain that we may have been feeling off and on during the last few weeks, it starts to build up incrementally, of course, but it's coming there, which is interesting because it's also highlighting for the exact, I mean, this is for um, where you are, it's going to be Aries rising, but still, I think that's telling. Yeah, Jackie, I like what you're saying, refines, polishes, that, that works. Yeah, you know, we're, um, some of the things that were coming up in my Virgo research, especially with this area of Virgo is process, you know, and really, you're talking about refining the process of enclosing something into form. Um, and, and with that contact with Uranus, you're absolutely right. We may be really having to either reevaluate our processes, but maybe even just think outside the box, like get innovative, um, you know, 
Uranus could be sometimes that lightning bolt of awareness that says, hey, you want to you wanna do something in this, this new way because the old way just isn't working, you know, and this is a great time to initiate some kind of new process that will lead to uh, a better outcome, right? You know, th- right. You know we, we're learning on the fly with all these new, like, I don't know, just, I, I, I ascribe it to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, the new air age, I guess you could call it. I, I don't know how much I subscribe to the, the ages, but we're definitely in a new elemental Jupiter-Saturn conjunction yeah, phase. Absolutely. And uh, the old methods really just, a lot of them just aren't, um, either necessary or working anymore. And we really have to learn that there are going to be some things we're going to have to make some changes if we want to survive. And, you know, in terms of talking about form, it also should be attentive to aesthetics, to beauty, to ma'at, um, because what's interesting about that new moon, it's in the terms of Venus. Venus is also the ruler for that Uranus. Um, so we still have... Venus, as she's also in her dignity, um, quite powerful. I mean, I know some people, you know, during that the next week or so, as Venus is still in her dignity, are going to be doing some Venus talismans um, as well. So maybe this is also kind of auguring that moment of opening up the space related to that. Yeah. What do you think about the inversion of Mercury as the host of the new moon? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because in that in your how do you say where you are in Michigan? Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti, right? There you go. Um, yeah, I think it's also interesting that that specific time Mercury is also directly opposite to the mm-hmm. ascendant, mm-hmm. Um, and it's ruling you know that that trigon of planets there, that um, the trinity of planets, and I think it's a version, and the version you know that in conjunct highlights more so the sense of yeah, not being able to see, not being able to kind of adequately, completely fulfill. And this is a night chart. So, I mean, Mercury is the triplicity Lord um, and has that level of authority. But that may also be where we also have to cultivate patience as we're reshaping form, renovating, innovating. Because when you have a planet that's in a version like that, it it can't see it. So it has to kind of rely on we could say other senses, other means by which it can make that connection. And it may not be until the moon gets yeah. to that Libra and can translate that light, you know, from Mars up to that, that Mercury. I like that. I like that uh, metaphor of using other senses other than sight, you know, like f- feeling your way through this. Like, does it, does it smell right? Does it, does it feel right? You know, the right. intuition perhaps. Um, and maybe just adding one more thing. I think, you know, there may be some kind of negotiation that's taking place with this Mercury placement too, where I feel like Mercury questions things and it may be questioning the deal and you may have to work with somebody, especially it's echoed multiple times in this particular chart with, you know, being in the seventh house, uh, being in the, the second seventh decade. Sign. Yeah, mm-hmm. seventh sign. So <clears throat> compromise might be a necessary um, function as far as getting your new... Uh, organizational system online what's the spirit i mean i know we're talking about the second decan um well for virgo we're talking Mm -hmm. about venus again as the second decan for this new moon what's the spirit related to that to the new moon yeah 
Yeah, this one's the the Moirai of Virgo oh, that's, too. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, the Moirai, the spinners of fate. So maybe we're weaving some kind of new fate on this new moon. Um, you know, those three those three Moirai. You had one that was the uh, spinner of the of the thread. You had the measurer, and then the, yeah. the cutter, right? Yeah. So you know, it, it is a process, and it is really about like. And there are three planets in Virgo right there. So there you go. You got that. That's interesting. I, I like that. That is a great point. So maybe these are our three our three fates. You know? Right. We've got the cutter. Got cutter. <laughs> you know, maybe this is the, oh, I don't know. The spinner would be the, the, the sun. Yeah, and and then, this is the measurer, right? The apportioner. Yeah. Very cool. I like that. So yeah, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> right. So and they're all right there, kind of like, uh, yeah, we just yeah, Mars is right there. It's a cutter. Perfect. I love that. Man, that's wow, good, good stuff. I'm I'm kind of uh getting the tingles with that. All right. So we ha do have a number of other aspects on that day. Um, we do have Mars making a trine to Pluto almost exactly as well. That mm -hmm. rough spot that Venus just went through, but now Mars is going to be making a positive aspect. Any insights you have for us with Mars Pluto versus? I like Mars Pluto for. I mean, I have that natally as a trine, but it's yeah. it's the reverse. Um, Mars is in Capricorn, and it gives energy, it gives passion, um, it bestows the free flow. I mean, trines have the nature of Jupiter, so they have the free flow of energy. But you also, you know, the thing to understand about trines is that I also uh, honor them as statements of inertia body emotion stays in motion as body at rest stays at rest hmm. so it, it's kind of also being aware of where you want to direct that force where that force is already directed where it has momentum yeah um so talking about and i think you put it well the idea of you know discussing renegotiating negotiating the deal and recognizing what's in, in motion and where we might need to kind of make some adjustments but recognizing that it's still in motion yeah there's a lack a lack of friction almost right it's like too yeah. almost too smooth sometimes it could be um laura's asking us is that that kazemi you mentioned at the same degree of the new moon um laura the kazemi of mars is going to be happening in october at 15 degrees of libra so we're, we're just right now seeing uh, an old mars that is getting closer and closer to the sun as part of its what, what is called synodic cycle and sort of going to be reborn in that furnace of the sun and being infused with some kind of new purpose, mission, clarity. Um, but right now, Mars, you know, this, this may be speaking to what you were saying too. Um, you know, Mars is still under the beams. We may be doing some things behind the scenes, actions behind the scenes that aren't visible right now. Um, and that third decan of Virgo, and we'll, and we'll talk about this more as we get to the sun part of Virgo 3, but that Deccan is really about legacy and like what, what we're going to pass on uh, that we've created in form and what are we going to pass on to the next generation and what are we going to, you know, return to the earth. There's uh, themes of old age and the body breaking down, but but passing something on like an heirloom to others. And before we go on to those other yeah. aspects for that day, I mean, we already started with Mars. Yeah. But one thing I want to draw um everyone's attention to and you may know this but i don't see it talked about a lot one thing that's fascinating is that near in degree every four years you're going to have also something related to um especially with a new moon you're going to have it related to an, another lunation mm -hmm. so it's 
we're probably also talking about four years ago where we had a sun moon opposition, a full moon, roughly at 13 degrees Virgo. Mm -hmm. So what that may mean and symbolize is you might think about what came to fruition, what was in development four years ago that is now going toward a healing and closing cycle, which also relates to what we're talking about in terms of Mars. So there's a parallel, you know, if you look at, you know, go through an ephemeris, um, roughly, you know, as you go farther and farther away, it's going to be separated by degrees, but you go back four years, uh, 20, you know, to seven, 2017, you're going to be dealing with a full moon that's roughly near that degree of that, that uh, lunation. Well, I'll that tell you what I was doing four years ago is I was beginning my journey uh, towards traditional astrology and completely transitioning into becoming the, the long journey to becoming a professional astrologer. Oh, there you uh, go. You know, so my, my partner, Tanya, gave me the book uh, Astrology and the Authentic Self by Demetra George in that oh, summer. Wow. And I just that just blew my, my mind wide open and started listening. It's a great book. Oh, yes. it's so good. It's, if you're into modern astrology and you're curious about traditional astrology, I would say that would be the first book I would pick up just to yeah, get your he, mind thinking. He actually marriage, marries yeah. both traditions in that book because yeah, he really comes cool. from both traditions. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I, I had that book. I was I discovered Chris's astrology podcast and was just, you know, binge watching that or binge listening. And you're um, welcome. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's so funny, like how you were saying that these lunations are connected because roughly six months before that, I had found that book in a metaphysical bookstore and thinking nothing of it, just took a picture of it in my phone and then forgot about it for six months, did not show her that picture. And she just bought this book apropos of nothing so it was like we we're getting a little taste of what was going to happen at the you know within oh. these eclipse cycles so pretty pretty cool mm -hmm. all right so we've got that new moon think about what's going on four years ago in your own life what were you doing around that period sam anything that you can connect to your i can't recall it's <laughs> 2017 in terms of september nothing really is like popping right yeah. now so yeah, sometimes it yeah, all blurs together. Getting ready for twenty for UAC. UAC, yes, yes. Yeah, that was kind of like the shadow of UAC. I had, um, I guess that was my first year into Newark, Newark, New Jersey, where I was living. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's about it. Well, to think more. <laughs> so, those of you out there in digital land, connect back to four years ago and see if you can keep retracing the steps of these lunations because really you know we're seeing these things continually spinning in this sort of like spiral and they are going to spiral back for us to reevaluate at various points okay what else we got for this day sam we've got yeah, i think we have a venus jupiter i mean if we're talking about the sixth venus jupiter trine yep there's our venus jupiter trine yeah probably, probably a little nicer than a little nicer than the pluto one <clears throat> Um, what do you see there? Anything that sticks out with That's, Venus, Jupiter? Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I don't think it's going to be another manic Monday. I think there's ways in which one can have a little more spiciness, enjoyment in life. Yeah. Um, emphasizing, you know, more the, the sense of fostering connection, um, especially in the shadow of a new moon, mm -hmm. feeling like, uh, things are, are brighter or lifting up, which, I mean, that seems to be a recurrent theme that we're getting, you know, between 
what we were talking about with Mars and the Mars Pluto trine. It's like there's some restoration that's happening. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I, I like the one thing that sticks out with Venus Jupiter to me is the you know, Venus being of the night sect and sort of like that good fortune that maybe comes to you like like the moon would, maybe not even through anything that you do. Whereas I, I like to think of Jupiter being part of that day sect as, you know, you, things that bring you honor because of actions that you've taken. So maybe there's some good fortune that comes to you through the actions that you've taken, the, the marriage of those two things, like receiving uh, the results of your previous actions, potentially. And, and this goes beyond just the call of luck. I mean, I, I call Jupiter a match funder, you know, mm-hmm. meaning that he'll match you where you've shown the effort, the work, or given and share, or been willing to share your own gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like, you know, some people may hear what we're saying, like, should I get like a, a lotto card then? Or like... <laughs> Should I play the lottery and the numbers? What what what's right. happening? I mean, you can, but that's not real. It's not a lot of effort, really, is it? Yeah. You know, it's just kind of spending your dollar, your two dollars, your five dollars, or whatever. Um, you know, Jupiter is talking about more where you've been attentive, more mm-hmm. you where you again have been willing to share your gifts. Yeah, I like that. Your bounty, even. You can buy a scratch off if you want, I guess, but there's probably you know deeper things that you could do that could maybe pay right. off in the long run that that aren't even necessarily material. I mean, these are in air signs. This could be something that is an idea that is bringing you good fortune, you know, some kind of new realization. Or encouragement yeah. that you're willing to. I like that. To share. All right. We've got a, a sun uh, Uranus trine. Um, so that's going to be part of our story here as well. But that's sort of similar to the the new moon here, that's that's baked into that, wouldn't you say? I think we've covered that on some level, right? Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that really does tie in, you know, the sense of innovation, the sense of also um, opening new pathways, things feeling, I want to use a old-fashioned word, things mm-hmm. feeling a bit more copacetic, you know, yeah. kind of moving yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when we have new moons, we always have the marriage of kind of spiritual awareness and form. So something's being born at this new moon. What's that called? Um, the hydrogamos, right? Uh, what is yeah. that term? The hydrogamos, you know, the bringing forth of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the god and the goddess. That is a new term to me. So where, what, what is that from? Uh, it's, it's actually related to some people use it in terms of alchemy, but it's also the, the story of the god and the goddess coming together. Nice. Yeah, a sacred union, so to speak. So, uh, I'll put it in the chat for anyone who wants to look up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing to think about with new moons is it does take some time for things to come to fruition. It's not like you're just going to see the entire manifestation of your vision uh, 15 minutes after the moon becomes new. Um, you know, you might not even see it for another day or so because there's a, a Hellenistic technique called being under the bond where the moon has to escape 15 degrees of the sun before you kind of get the the vibe of what this moon is going to be about. Um, and we're going to see, I believe, when the moon escapes the bond, it's going to make a trine to Saturn right away. So that is something to keep in mind as we move forward with this moon. All right, if we move forward to the 10th, you doing okay still, Sam? I am. In there? All right. 
How about you? It's later yeah, there for you. I'm doing okay. I'm just uh, right. spent a lot of time on on uh, doing research today. So <laughs> I am digging deep in my Pluto reserves today. Okay. Um, yeah. For I, me, I, I went to some place, you know, out here in Santa Fe. I, I speaking of, you know, that Mars Neptune opposition, I, yeah. I spent part of my time at a place called the Sanctuario de Chimayo, mm -hmm. uh, Chimayo, and it, it really is dedicated, you know, um, well, to the Holy Family, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I know what's a Muslim doing there on a Friday, and I decided to kind of, you know, have my own communion with the spirit um, at a place like that, you know, and well, it was you, a wedding. You did, you did Mars uh, Neptune, right then? Yeah. I think I just blew myself out working really hard on my stuff today. <laughs> yeah. Well, today's my day off, so I was lucky. I mean, maybe it's not your your day off. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to Sunday when I'm uh, gotten past the uh, the webinar time frame. Right. I'm excited about it, but it you know there's always a lot of preparatory stuff when you've got something like that in the hopper. Mm-hmm. All right, so what we're looking at here on the tenth. Oh, what did I do here? No, I went way yeah, you far. Did something really Sorry, I did something like, weird. Yeah. There we go. Uh, like... That's not what I wanted either. Uh oh, man, I really got off base here. Um. Well, all right. Sorry. Sorry, folks. You want to go forward, right? You're going back into oh. twenty. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man. Here we'll go back here. Sorry, friends. There we go. There's the 10th. I was trying to go right to the moment of uh, Venus in Scorpio. Uh, there's a nice little uh, magnifying glass here that lets you search cer certain things. Oh, okay. And you can go straight to the ingress of Venus in Scorpio, and, and it must have taken me to a different year. But I got you. Um, I see Nicholas Polimonakos is here. Hello, hey, Nicholas. Hey, Nicholas. He's nice of gold. You. He's always trying to be incognito, but... <laughs> he is... Uh, an amazing uh he does some really great electronic music that i see on instagram and i really enjoy when he talks about his book reviews so shout out to our mercurial friend nicholas yeah, cycle pump mm -hmm. yeah so so we're seeing here the this is one of your essential dignity changes you were talking about on september the 10th we've got venus moving into its exile in scorpio mm-hmm so Sam, along with the moon also yeah the moon fall. is going to be in its fall so a, a combination day where it's really the moon is activating that that venus there um what do you think about venus and scorpio what are some thoughts that you have on that yeah i think it's you know about her reclaiming her power um you know it's it's interesting you know venus is kind of always coming you know when she goes into her detriment it's often coming out of places where she was in her power. Mm -hmm. So it's coming from, you know, coming from her exaltation into Aries, where she, you know, is again beholden to Mars. Then it's coming from her domicile into Mars. And I think when Venus goes into a domicile of Mars, it's off-putting because she is, you know, I always imagine she's like, you know, where are the pillows? Mm -hmm. right why do you have these leather straps hanging down and you know why are you using like these poorly made sheets where's the thousand thread count sheets that i'm used to yeah. so she's really like kind of learning to reaccommodate herself 
which on some level may make her tougher. Mm -hmm. um, but on another level, it's a toughness where she also has to balance and remember who she is and not become Mars, right? And not become too defensive, not become too armored in herself. So this is where she really is doing this delicate dance to maintain who she is while also maintaining her beauty, her real power of charm. Yeah, it's it's almost a, like a shock to the system, isn't it? Going from uh, this ability to be able to create unification, to create grace and, and ease of flow um, between people, between whatever it is. And then, you know, we get into, like you were saying, Venus moving into Mars's house and it's like, what? <laughs> Things were going so well. What happened? You know, like, um, yeah, this, this decade too is talking about hunger, um, desire. And one of the things I think about with Venus in Mars signs is uh, Venus is that, you know, goddess that emerged from the ocean and was adorned just because she glowed with that phosphorescent essence. You know, her poetic name was Phosphorus. And, you know, there was this ease of receiving. And sometimes we get a little bit too uh, I think Venus can sometimes get uh, imp either impatient or pursuing things when the the better play might be to sit back and let it come to you. Yes. Right. Yes. Right? That's because that's also what happens to her you know, when she goes into Aries. Yeah. Right. She exactly. feels like she go she goes from acknowledging and appreciating herself as the prize exalted in Pisces. Right. to feeling like she must have a champion yeah right yeah. so in scorpio she feels like she's lost her champion right. not realizing she's the champion right yeah yeah i agree and so so what are some remedies for that sam what can we do to kind of get back in you touch know, with i think sorry go on. yeah yeah no no go yeah, ahead. i got excited that was yeah. like a brilliant way of like to, to tie it together yeah uh oh tanya's like venus and scorpio after hours what is <laughs> Yeah, let's get sexy. I, I think, you know, some things may start with, you know, when we talk about particularly, you know, women, it's reclaiming their, their power and how they might talk about, um, you know, who they are. You know, that's also some measure of self-talk. Um, I think because it's also in a water sign, it's releasing more from your past. You know, one of the analogies when I teach this is um, sometimes a Venus and Scorpio may try to want to recover lost time or be curious about, you know, what their ex is doing. Mm. Um, you know, it's more so letting go and realizing that you can, you know, take care of yourself. I think one thing that's important for Venus and Scorpio is self-trust. Mm. Um you know, coming to trust again your senses, coming again to trust your decisions. You know, like there may have been a reason why you broke up with that person. <laughs> um, and now recognizing that you need to move on and what that may mean. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just thinking about appreciating the beauty of decay, you know, like mm. appreciating, like, because, you know, Mars wants to unify, but Mars, but or Venus wants to unify, but Mars wants to separate. So one of the ways I d differentiate between Mars and 
in Aries and Mars and Scorpio, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, we're separating from the collective, you know, in with from Pisces to Aries to become an individual. But then when we're separating with Mars and Scorpio, we're separating from the body to return to the collective, to return to that Jupiterian type of awareness. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's an awkward place for Venus because, you know, she wants to bring things together, but she is having to learn to appreciate the aesthetics of, of the compost pile, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? And the fermentation process. Um, you know, I remember, I don't know, Maybe you remember this band from the 80s, but I was a big Tears for Fears fan. You remember Tears so, for Fears? So, <laughs> right. Well, my favorite, uh, I think, uh, Scorpio song from them is is um, Break It Down Again. Do you know that song? Or it's like, no, I don't. So it's like, break it down again. No more sleepy dreaming. No more building up. It is time to recede. And they talk about appreciating the beauty of decay. Mm -hmm. and, and and that that band, there's some really there's some really cool lyrics in that band as far as like talking about macro systems. And they anticipated a lot of this like fall of empires type of thing where, you know, they were living in the 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 corporate excess of the eighties and they were saying, This is this is bullshit. And you do you know what the lead singer of, of uh <laughs> the lead singer of Tears for Fears is a Virgo. So he's like, All right, we need to like cut the 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 chafe from the wheat here and like, you know, reduce, you know, consolidate was what was his message and appreciating that as part of the cycle. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Tanya says, do not hit up your ex when our girl Venus dips into Scorptown. <laughs> I love that, Scorptown. <laughs> Scorptown. So when you see me tweet that, I have to give you attribution now, Tanya. Yeah, Scorptown. You know, da-da-da, Scorptown. Yeah, going to Scorptown. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, actually, you're giving me a, pers a, a different perspective on Tears for Fears. I think yeah. a lot of their discography could be described that way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Didn't they do Mad World? Do it cover? Yep, they did Mad World. They did Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Right. Uh, you know, it's all sorts of songs that they were talking, sowing the seeds of love. You know, they're kind of like, all right, you know, let's 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 uh, utilize our higher selves rather than this like superficial stuff. And I think that is the power of Venus. I mean, when she's in Scorpio, and I mean, she's an interesting Venus because she's an evening star here, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, as versus like say the, the emphasis on hope as a morning star, as an evening star, she's kind of participating more in the coolness of the night, more to understand, um, learning not to be afraid of the dark. Maybe that's the way we can describe her. She's a Venus who's learning not to be afraid of the dark or the darkness within her. I like that. I like that. Being able to go into those like, I don't know sewer tunnels of our life and uh, mm -hmm. hold up that phosphorescent glow and yeah that's good stuff. Yeah, you know and that's especially you know poignant for our new york folks yeah you know, one this is the day before 9 11 mm. um and then you know there's going to be a lot of cleanup in yeah. in that city you know there's a you know not just that city i know philadelphia another one of my cities i lived in for a long time also went through you know that massive you know gunk of water you know and people swimming in it and different things and you know whatever but i think 
that's some of what we might be dealing with to clean up the other issues that Venus kind of ties in. Yeah, and it's going to immediately start to square by whole sign Saturn. So, right. you know, there's some reality checks probably coming with that exiled Venus, you know, making contact with, a, you know, the, like you were saying, the, the friction aspect of, of the square that, that gets things moving, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So let's keep on rolling here. Um, we are going to dip into the next decan of Virgo at this point. And this is going to be on the 12th of September. We're going to see the sun move into Virgo 3, which we were talking about uh, leaving a legacy. This decan talks a lot about the corruptibility of matter. Um, the, the card is the 10 of pentacles where we see a figure that is an old man that is either reflecting on a life well lived or passing on a legacy to his family. Um, the, the diamond is, or spirit with this one is Hestia, the keeper of the sacred flame, you know, which is wow. maybe passing on something for uh, the next generation, keeping the flame going, the, the essence that continues when the form no longer does. So thinking about this as a, a, a time where you're uh, figuring out what stays and what goes is going to be, I think, really important um, throughout the 12th through the 22nd of uh, September. Um, first aspect that we have on this decanic journey is the square, the last quarter square. Um, I always experience squares, the lunar squares, as sort of like these like crisis moments. Yeah, that's just... how even it's, they're described by Rudger. Yeah, as crisis of action, um, crisis of consciousness for this square. When we have, I mean, this is going to be more a square of action, right? Um, the crisis of action. So there's definitely, especially in the last degree from Mars of um, of Virgo, mm -hmm. I think that is heralding a certain kind of action that that seems most necessary. Yeah, with discernment. Yeah, totally. And that that moon, that moon in in Sagittarius three is the ten of wands card, where he's he's carrying this huge bundle of sticks, like overwhelmed with just like you know carrying this weight. That's the last decan before the winter solstice, so that's like where the you know it's like oh we're, the the word I always use with that decan is barn eager, where you've got like a a horse that has just been ridden to exhaustion, but he's going to make that final push to get home. You know, so maybe there's a final push that needs to happen around Monday, the September the 13th, just to be able to to pass on something that's important to you uh, to like, you know, finish the project. This is a, a, a time of completion. Yeah, that's a good word. Finishing. Yeah. Um, the 14th, we're going to be seeing Mars oh. moving into. Mars is going to move into Libra. Yep. So here's here's our Mars Libra moment. Uh, this is a user-friendly app. I love Astro Gold, and they're super good about getting back to you about features and stuff. Although Astro Gold, if you're listening, having a feature that shows you the heliacal rising and settings of planets would make this like the ultimate my favorite program ever, even though it already is. But <laughs> add that in, please, my Australian friends. Um, I think that's where they're out of, right? Steph, yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. Steph Johnson. Yeah. She's yeah. Great. Okay. So Mars and Libra 
coming into a mutual reception with Venus. Tell us about mutual reception. Well, and- it depends on your school of thought. So yeah. some will say that if you're more medieval, mm-hmm. they have to have an aspect in order to have mutual reception. Okay. Um, more Hellenistic, then they're in mutual reception just okay. by virtue of being in each other's houses. And, you know, either way you want to spin it, there's, you know, they are um, connected. But to kind of quote uh, Lee Lehman, what we have with them is a mutual deception, mm-hmm. right? Okay, because, I like that. Yeah, that's her phrase, like a mutual that. deception, where they're in places where they don't have their domicile powers, they don't have access, full access to the things. And because they're in aversion, they can't see each other. So there's a way mm-hmm. in which there's a, there may be a lack of communication. It's kind of being like, um, you, you know, I guess me being in your home, you being in my home, but not being able to communicate by phone, right? Mm. And say like, yo, Spencer, where are your towels? I can't find your place. <laughs> right. 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 So uh. there's a way in which you may have to figure out things in a different way, but you know, there's still yet a connection. Could you also think of this as like you you are exchanging houses with like someone you don't particularly like like so you've got some asshole right. in your house but you don't want to screw up uh their house because you know they'll mess up yours <laughs> type of thing that's another way you could think right. of it yeah it's kind of like right. recognizing like okay um or y- yeah you don't want to not just mess it up but you know spend too much money trying to accommodate yourself knowing that they may just throw them out or yeah. like not like them exactly and speaking of mutual deception, we also have a Sun-Neptune opposition that day. <laughs> so that's probably not adding to the, the clarity that we want um, on this particular day. Uh, what do you think about Sun-Neptune here? I think it's kind of like where you have to clean your glasses. I mean that metaphorically. It's kind of where you're not seeing. I describe Neptune in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways I describe Neptune is as a fog planet. You know, the fog rolling in and the sun is the illuminator. So it's a way in which we're trying to see through the fog mm-hmm. um, and really perceive things. But recognizing that there is fog, there is fogginess. This may not be the best of days to kind of set up a deal mm-hmm. um, or finalize particular deals. Uh, or if you are doing that, because I'm not preventative in the sense, I mean, I, I, be more, I believe more in being aware than just beware. Right. And so what I would say is that it becomes important to have that level of scrutiny, to use that sun and Virgo scrutiny, because chances are things are not as they appear. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I always tend to lose steam with Neptune placements. Like I, I always like, want, I have a lot of Virgo in, in my chart. And whenever I have a planet that's contacting Neptune, and I don't know if it's just Neptune in Pisces, but it's been there a while, so that's just been my experience. It's just like the air goes just completely out of my sails. You know, it's like I'm just like daydreaming somewhere else, and I and I my energy is just like flushed down the toilet. Well, in as a remediation, right? Yeah. What will we? What what could we say for someone like you in that particular situation? Then that may be the day where you need to kind of have. To cater more to your imagination, yeah. cater more to your spiritual self. You know, it may not be the day where you're like, oh, I'm going to plug through and just push through and right. make this happen and try to do more analytical things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a very analytical way. And uh, 
my my analytical functioning doesn't work super well on those Neptune days. So, yeah, and I think what you're speaking of, you know, it's about just coming into alignment with the Tao and the cycle that you're faced with, right? And saying, yes. okay, this is the energy of the day. I have to accept it rather than trying to swim upstream, so to speak. Or things being imperfect, you know, kind of, I think yeah. the phrase is wabi-sabi where things mm -hmm. uh, in the Japanese culture, you yeah. know, you deal with imperfections by honoring them. Yep. Right? In terms of cracking your cup, you may fill it with gold, right? Yeah. As a statement of honoring the, the presence of imperfections rather than trying to cover them up or dismiss them. I love that. I, I love that wabi-sabi. We, we've talked about that on this channel a lot, like just nature filling in the final details rather than you having to like completely you know have complete control you know it's, it's really about surrender isn't it yes yeah okay so that's the 14th uh let's see what else we've got here if we go forward to the 16th i think that's the next thing i've got here we've got a sun pluto trine oh boy um what do you got for us sam yeah, I like that. I mean, I like um, what I like about it is that it's tapping into, you know, the deeper powers, tonic powers, however you want to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, good for the meeting of the minds and meeting of for powerful people or people who are looking to build their sense of power mm. um, to display that. Uh, in terms of the kind of day that may be in the 16th is a Thursday. It's interesting. Mm. Um, you know, when we're talking about trines again, we're dealing with the possibility of entropy, you know, and inertia. Yeah. Um, so it may be that we're dealing with particularly powerful people who are meeting along the lines of something that may be challenging. You know, one of the things that's happening that we have to tie in, Mars is going deeper into Libra. Um, the moon is going toward a conjunction with Saturn. This may be one of those days and a combination going toward one of those weekends where there may be some unrest. Yeah, I, I think maybe from the range of some dimension of civil unrest. Yeah, um, potentially. Yeah, to even the possibility of unrest that we may feel kind of coming off of, you know, the high that we may have felt from the new moon. Right. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, the honeymoon's over. Yeah, Moon-Saturn days are always a little bit, you know, the reality check on some level, isn't it? And you can see we've also got the Venus-Saturn uh, square perfecting, you know, within a few days here. You know, <clears throat> I believe you, you start feeling these within, what, three degrees or so, right? The, in the application, depending on what system you think about. But Yeah, right. I usually give more, like, I'm tighter orbs, but yeah. Okay. But, you know, we're... we're yeah, it's interesting you talk about civil unrest because I, I could I could see that uh, playing out as well. Like people's, I, I also think of man, uh, you know, Venus as like our manners and things like that too. I, I think when Venus goes into Mars's sign, we're just like the gloves are off and we're 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 tired of being nice and like smiling and we're just like gonna say whatever, you know, and that could lead to some conflicts um, socially when we're we're coming in contact with saturn that's really asking i think saturn's been asking us through this journey through aquarius um to be detached to um do what is good for the collective rather than our own personal desire and 
you know, delay gratification. And, and I know that like people, especially in America, have a lot of trouble <laughs> delaying gratification for the good of each other. Um, so some things might come to a head with that. What do you think? I think that's spot on. And one illustration of that is that we're at the Saturn return of the World Wide Web. Mm. And the World Wide Web, not the internet, because some people conflate the two. The internet is older, you know, and we can go more into the history related to that another time. But the World Wide Web comes about as the attempt by one particular person leading it up, a Gemini named Sir Tim, Tim Berners-Lee. And his idea was to create a protocol, the HTTP, as a means for different divergent computers with different operating systems to be able to speak to each other. Because what people may not remember is that if you had like an Apple computer or a Mac, it couldn't necessarily talk or share images, say with a PC of any kind of PC. Mm -hmm. um, and there were various different kinds of PC. So you could kind of more so have this kind of internet connection. And what's special about this, Tim didn't make, you know, Sir Tim Berners-Lee didn't make a cent off of the World Wide Web until some 10 years later, hmm. right? He did it for the sheer curiosity of kind of creating an interconnected book, you right. know, or web, you know, mirroring something that was from his child, childhood, an encyclopedia called Inquire. Mm -hmm. So when you say that about having that sense of detachment or non-attachment for the public good, I think that is, like I said, spot on in terms of affirming that sense of, of giving, that sense of sharing, that sense of not being caught up in our selfishness, even though we may feel the fear and want to, to go toward that that place. So, So I think what you're saying is, Try not to get into a, a battle with somebody on the internet on this date. Or, you know, try to win or think about what becomes a higher good or what yeah. what becomes rather than our own petty or even small-minded desires, what what yeah. might support the moment. Right? Like you might be able to correct somebody or make like they say something like, Okay, is it important for me to make this correction? Right and say this in this particular moment as versus what could be directed that energy toward something else, um, a larger goal. That's also yeah, I, that, you know, that sense of sun uh, trining to Pluto as well, higher objectives. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, just piggybacking off that with the, you know, the decans that we've talked about, you know, that first decan Scorpio, Venus is all about pursuing something with a hunger and a desire. And Saturn in that first decan, that, that decan's called conflict and defeat. <laughs> so maybe through the pursuit of your desires where you should have just let something come to you, there may be something where you experience uh, a conflict that you don't necessarily come out as the victor. Um, or another way to put it, and I'm going to be, you know, use my Pisces rising, there's a yeah, quote. Sure. I think it's from Hafiz, but it could be from another Sufi-inspired poet where it mm -hmm. says, love's conqueror is he whom love conquers. So forgive the pronoun, but yeah, it's love's conqueror is he whom love conquers. Nice. Well, there you go. Surrender again is, is the theme, isn't it? Okay, so we've got the, uh, the Venus 
Saturn square. I think we've covered that. That goes into the seven. Oh, I want to say something else oh, about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, sure. Before we move on with the Venus Saturn square too, I think that also testifies on the more personal level. I mean, like we've been talking about the personal, but even more intimately, when Venus has a conflict either by square or hard aspect to Saturn, it usually highlights times where we're looking for approbation or appreciation from others and maybe not getting it. Mm-hmm. So the remediation is where you have to kind of learn to give that to yourself. You're going to have to serve yourself the cake. You're going to have to give yourself a spa day, um, pat yourself on the back or on the shoulder, rather than kind of feeling frustrated because you're not getting a certain level of attention, love, respect from others that you may crave it from. Yeah, it's Saturn being denial in some form or another on some level, yeah. right? You know, the, kind of the cosmic no. Um, but like, you, you know, you were saying earlier, Venus is in the overcoming position here so that there might be some benefits to that. I'd rather have that than Saturn <laughs> being in the overcoming square. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that, self, uh, that self-love uh, tact that you're taking there because, you know, there is a lot of conflicts that come up because of our inability to or because of our desire to to have that feedback when it's just not available and it may not be even your fault it may just be that that other person has some other things on their mind it might not be that they're rejecting you yeah so so there's there's some forces that are bigger than us and outside of our control and that may be what we're feeling too here is that there's just something that's bigger than us that is getting in the way of our sense of pleasure potentially or of our you know desire for beauty or for relationship or things like that and there's just going to be times like that you know that's that's part of the beauty of astrology too is being able to accept times that are not as flowing as others this is the one thing that the the, um studying the I Ching has really taught me is that there's definitely times where things are moving in a harmonious direction and there's other times where things are stagnant and it, you don't do nothing during the stagnant times. You prepare for the return of flow. And you can do that through cultivating, like you were saying, self-love, cultivating your own skill set through your patience, through um, preparing for the return of that good fortune. Does that make sense? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Venus Saturn here in the 17th. And that is helping us to build towards a full moon on the 20th so thoughts on this pisces full moon right on the degree of exaltation of venus yeah well i like it i think that's kind of really you know and i'm noticing venus is right on my my mercury on that day okay um i think you know the full moon is Again, the lunation will hark back to four years before where that will be now, now the, a new moon. Um, so in 2017, that was more like a new moon um, at 27, 28 degrees of Virgo. Mm-hmm. So this could be a time of fulfillment of intentions that you may have set from four years ago. This is also um, the fulfillment of intentions that you may have also set in motion just two weeks ago. Uh, in terms of from that new moon from the sixth. Um, so I think that's one particular thing. And in the, exalt, the exaltation of Venus, you know, what's about to happen is the sun is about to lose her, 
his dignity and go into Libra. And we've been talking about, you know, we can even frame Venus as kind of the MVP of, of this, this particular month, you know, as pretty much the standout, you know, ruling so much of the Libra, but she's also kind of like um, carrying the team with maybe like, you know, a bit of a fractured tibia. I don't know if you really can play the fractured tibia, <laughs> but a hairline, hairline tibia <laughs> fracture you might be able to sure, do, sure. right? Um, yeah. But, you know, there's some way in which there's hurt, there's this pain, but and I think that also is harking back to this moon being at her exaltation degree mm-hmm. in some way in which Venus is honored. And what's, what does that mean to honor Venus? It's the honor where we experience beauty, pleasure, where we honor, where we feel the sense of elevation and connection, the oxycontin of, you know, how we, well, yeah, oxytocin of how we connect to others, right? Oxycontin is something. <laughs> oxycontin. I know you were about Maybe. to say, I saw your face. I saw your face. It's like, no, that's not what you meant, Chief. That's like, you want oxytocin, you know, that bonding energy. Right. You don't want to be like high, but, you know, some people might have that sure. I, mean, it's a sun moon. I mean the the moon is with neptune so you know <laughs> maybe, like, maybe you're right talk, yeah like maybe you're right yeah sam said during that podcast hi <laughs> you know and that's not you know that live stream that's not what i'm, I'm meaning but sure. um it is more so dealing with again the harvest you yeah. know and we're even coming out of the time of the harvest virgo into like the fullness of the the illumination of the moon i like that chart because it's also rising there i mean that's what full moons do but it is a nice you know you would be able to see the moon from uh so that's nice yeah and you know venus there's a couple of interesting fixed stars with this illumination too we got mercury on spica that we've talked about the you Mm -hmm. know the the grain the the culmination of the harvest point and we also have venus on a fixed star called alfeca Alfeca, uh, that's right yeah Mm -hmm. so this is the the crown of ariadne um which bernard brady talks a little bit of as being a a gift of power or status but with a catch potentially the crown of thorns potentially yeah Um, especially i mean this is interesting uh alfeca also relates to you know having some literary gifts or some interest in playing with words yeah um actually i think um i think eminem speaking of michigan has his yeah, eight mile mercury at, at that degree of you know you know conjoined to alfeca yeah i i th- i think of when i think of alfeca i think of people like princess diana and uh marilyn monroe who are gifted this status and they had like all this um it seemed like they had all this glamour, but there were these things behind the scenes that were potentially challenging yeah. with it. I mean, Ariadne's story is really interesting, and I, mean, I don't want to go too deep into it, but Ariadne basically was the the uh, the woman who helped uh, Theseus, I think, Theseus. out of the Minotaur's maze with the ball of string. And Theseus was like, you know, oh, you're wonderful. Thank you for your help. Be my wife. And so they sailed away, but then he was like, Nah, I'm gonna leave yeah, you on this island. <laughs> right? I'll just play right exactly. I'm just playing. I'm gonna leave playing. you on this island. <laughs> like or even worse, psych. Right, right. But 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 then but you know, her story turned out okay. Like Dionysus found her and was like, Oh, you're pretty hot, you could be my wife, and then she became the wife of a of a god instead of like just a normal hero. So right. 
you know, it worked out okay for, for Ariadne, but um, there was some sadness around it. So I, I think that there's potential for some uh, changing our position around this full moon, but it's almost like a careful what you wish for type of thing too, uh, because there, there's, say. yeah, there might be some changes that there's some parts of it. They're like, uh, you know, that's nice, you know, you know, Mercury on Spica, but man, there's some stones. You can't always get what you want. <laughs> there you go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't always get what you want. This is, this is karaoke hour tonight. That's what right? happens you're with like late night, that, right? late night with Spence and Sam. Too. Like he's like <laughs> that whole Oxycontin moment. Like, <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. The, people are going to be like, did you all slip something in your drinks here? <laughs> like, like, was that what a literal of, what kind of tea was that what's in that yellow <laughs> cup sam what really is that yellow cup i've been i've been pounding mate all day like in my moose mug here oh moose uh, mug i like that awake. but um yeah this is well, the um, party god be our salvation at this moment that's an interesting question too i mean i think you know i was talking um with charlie mccleary last mccurry last night uh about the foundation for theater really as we talk about it in the West, really does hark back to Dionysus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that, you know, talking about Aphrodite related to catharsis in the theatrical sense, yeah. you know, and talking about her again as MVP. Yeah, maybe the party god is kind of like in the background, you know, some way of dealing with, you know, all the madness um, conditioning us toward that purification. And then when you said that, Tanya, you know, who I think of, and I even wrote on this on Twitter, um, you know, Prince, I have always thought about, you know, the actual musician as our modern Dionysus. Mm, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It was powerful. He had a moon of Pisces. Oh, nice. I don't think it was this degree, but damn close. Yeah. So, yeah. And Maggie, you're right. It is a Friday night. So that could be part of it, too. But. Party and time. it's my lunar return, and I don't know how close that moon is to your sun, Spencer. Today, uh, yeah, I had my I had my lunar sun lunar conjunction a day or two ago. Okay, um, but oh, you're it, that early. Um, In you know, you're like zero one degree. I'm Fifteen. Oh, oh, the uh, you mean my ascendant? So no, my you're your sun Leo, right? No, I'm a Leo ascendant. I'm a Leo rising. Oh. You're so, cancer. I'm a cancer okay. son. Yeah. I, I'm I 15 degrees cancer. Always Leo. Yeah. Of your well, I, you know, it's my ascendant. I mean, I'm okay. 21 degrees Leo ascendant. So okay. I, I, I know how to party a little bit, I guess. <laughs> but to answer your question, yeah, that's kind of what I, oh, thank you, Maggie. But that's kind of maybe what we're looking at too. Yeah. Um, that I'm, has a good side and a bad side, I think, at this particular juncture. I'm still trying to wrap my head around your uh, Prince as Dionysus because that man that really works. At, you know, oh yeah, on so many levels. Yeah, you know. yeah, and purple and purple Paisley. rain. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think Paisley is one of the symbols related to chaos. Yeah, um, even right. So, um, but chaos and order, or order and chaos, however you want to look at it. And um, why I think this could be good or bad in terms of this particular full moon is people might also be looking for more liberation and ways which to kind of, yeah, party and connect, but that has direct implication in an age of COVID, right? That's true, right? So, the, the party, but with the, the, the drawback, you know, like the, if you, 
Yeah, that's a great point because there's consequences now with Saturn and in Aquarius and all of this. It's not just a free for all. We have a, we really have this. Saturn is really just, man, it's just putting the damper on everything lately. It's being like, okay, you know, you you can do this thing, but you're gonna have to really come to terms with the sober consequences of it, you know. So, yeah. I don't know if Prince would be down with all this. I don't think he'd be super psyched about it. No. Nah. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty careful. I mean, sometimes with many things. I mean, I think he had, he struggled with a particular addiction, not from, I think, recreational use, but I mean, I think yeah. he dealt with a lot of pain. Yeah, he had hip problems, didn't he? Because of all the splits that he did. Yeah. Yeah, from all those splits, all those things yeah. that he did for our. You know, for all his the, love for us, all that all that thrusting he did. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I guess that goes also with that crown of thorns dealing with you know Venus at Alfeca. Right. So. Right. 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 Yeah, one thing, and then before we move off this Dionysian thing, um, you know, what's his name from Cosmos and Psyche? Richard Tarnas talks about Pluto as being Dionysus on some level. I wonder if Prince has some Pluto contact with his. Yeah, uh, his chart up right quick but yeah i mean i'm sure he did on some level um yeah. yeah i mean he yeah and that also goes along with you know that idea of being the lover mm-hmm. i want to be your lover i want to be your <laughs> karaoke night with spencer yep. sam after yep. hours <laughs> right. so yeah i mean because <laughs> ultimately you know dionysus might say or would have said you know i'm a lover not a fighter there you go. There you go. All right. Well, before all the doves start crying, uh, we should. <laughs> We're on a roll. <laughs> we, should... we are really on a roll. I love it. We get punchy at this time of night. All right. So we're moving forward to the equinox here. Uh, the 22nd of September, the fall equinox, when the day and the nighttime become equal in length and the day begins to wane and the night starts to take over as being longer and having more power. Uh, talk to us a little bit, Sam, about the sun in Libra and this equinox time period. So even though I haven't been able to fully corroborate this, I mean, like we say, we call it fall. And we often think about fall, you know, especially in the Northern Hemisphere and specifically, you know, in certain parts of the, the world, we think about falling leaves, mm-hmm. right? But one of the reasons why it might be called fall is because the sun is in fall. Right. So um, when we talk about, you know, this idea of the sun falling, we have to also think in contrast, what's happening when the sun is actually in its exaltation. Mm-hmm. And this is where it feels like it's resurrection. You know, it's kind of like where it has even like the resurrected sun, the idea of the Messiah kind of coming back and you now feeling all power, feeling that sense of, that that sense of you know because I think of exaltation, I think of the that level of dignity, exaltation and fall related to an attitude. Mm-hmm. So in exaltation, it could be a certain attitude related to entitlement. Whereas Sun in Libra may be like a lack of feeling that entitlement and feeling more the emphasis related to the other, uh, related to other things, things that seem larger than us. And it yeah. is this tipping point and this balancing point between light and dark. Right. But we become also increasingly aware shortly thereafter of the darkness. Right. And so, so where would the sun feel most entitled, you're saying? 
Well, it gets into an attitude related to entitlement. Yeah. It's not the same as when it's in Leo in right, Aries. Right, right. Right? Yeah, totally. It's like, you know, Leo might be like, you know, at its best, Leo might just like um, emanate more its charisma and acting like it's the shit. Mm. Whereas, you know, the sun in Aries might like, you don't know, I'm the shit. Let me just tell you in case sure. you didn't know, right? So there's a certain way in which it has to almost vault itself up. In Libra, the sun in Libra, we may almost feel a certain way in which you don't have that sense of entitlement, but at the same time, you feel like you have to craft it in order to kind of keep that level of balance. People romanticize Libra a lot. Yeah. They either kind of say like- it's a tough sign. I, I think it's a tough sign and a tough Yeah, people say, you know, yeah. you know it's, it's weak or they're indecisive or this, until I, I think some of that's true until Libra does make a decision. Yeah. You know, Mahatma Gandhi, Mohandas K. Gandhis, Gandhi, brought an empire to its knees after making a decision. Well, right? it's the exaltation of Saturn. I mean, this is a Saturnian, it's a Venusian Saturnian sign. I like to think of it as the, as a combination of those two things. You know, I mean, it's, and, and you know, in the theme of Mundi, you've got Saturn opposite the sun. So right. it's that darkness, that, that, that the ascent of darkness. That's what, and it's really interesting because Schmidt likes to talk about the sun as the concept. Robert yeah, Just Robert Schmidt, Robert right. Schmidt, right, of Project Hindsight, um, one of the kind of early translators of Hellenistic and traditional astrology works, um, was talking about the sun as selection. And he, he contrasted that as Saturn as exile. And it, that's an interesting way of thinking of the planets to me, because we may not be the one who is selected at this point you know we may have to to not be number one and we may have to make a venusian compromise to be able to shine light because of the the power of saturn the power of darkness the power of responsibility i really think there's lots of responsibilities in this area of the zodiac too where we have, yeah. right where we have to start thinking about our social responsibility and saying how do we what are the 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 codes that we have with one another and for justice, fairness, and things of that nature. Um, you know, if we talked about the, the decans, we, if, here is the two of swords that is associated with Libra one, and this is Mott. So we were talking about Mott earlier, right? The, the guardian of the underworld where your heart was weighed against the weight of a feather. And it's kind of like, what are you bringing with you? Are you, are you bringing things from the past or are you gonna let go and release? And, and that two of swords highlights making a decision, right? And often yes. related to Standing decisive. on the boundaries, yeah. Standing on the on the edge of a new existence, indecision, guardians. And are we going to choose wisely? <clears throat> because you know, one of the things that's happening with that sun, the sun is going toward a conjunction with Mars, right? And right. so, you know, are we going to choose according to what wisdom compels us or what power mm. compels us, right? Um, because there's always a lure when you're dealing with that axis of Aries and Libra. You're also dealing with the, the, the lure of power. And mm. are you going to have that power by the basis of status and strength, Mars? Right. Right. Or are you going to have that, that power by the level of creating consensus, which is Libra, mm -hmm. you know, by discussing, you know, what becomes your imperative might be the better question. What impels you to kind of do the things that you want to do, um, either for the greater good or even in terms of what's necessary. 
Yeah, I'm, and I'm just looking in the chat here, Sam. Lauren uh, Vaccaro says that Prince has Pluto on yeah, the midheaven. He <laughs> like, yeah, so but, like, no, it's even it's even deeper. I, yeah. I did get to look, and I was in the yeah. kind of space when we could talk about it. Yeah. Pluto, I mean, Prince had his midheaven at 29 degrees Leo. Wow. So it's conjoined to Regulus. So it's oh. Pluto was also conjoined to Regulus. Oh, well, there you go. That's and, really you know, powerful. the thing that gives me chills, I have forgotten that. The yeah. thing that gives me chills, you know, I don't think his parents knew or, you know, were astrologers or knew astrology. But the yeah. man's name, his real name is Prince. Yeah. yeah. He's really <laughs> royalty in that sense. So, That's right. You know, having Pluto, you know, being there and then looking at him through this Dionysian lens. Yeah. Really, is, you know, that's how he becomes known. You know, yeah. in terms of even the moments with astrology right. that you're like, that's it, right? There, well, you know, thank you, like, Lauren. Yeah, I, I looked that up too, but thank you. Very cool. Um, one last thing I want to point out with this Libra Deccan <clears throat> is the spirit that we've been talking about with the, the that Deccan is the, the Uranus or the Furies. So the, the, those were the um, mythological beasts that would uh, be called upon by people in prayer to punish transgressors. So th this is a tough one as far as like, I always feel like we see the something breaking down in the first decan of a sign, like a challenge posted. And then in the second decan, we work through it. And then the third, we see the result of that action. Yeah. So I really feel like the first decan of Libra is about coming into awareness, the sun, awareness, I like that word for the sun, of injustices and imbalances. So it's not that we are in a point of balance yet we're aware that we're like that this isn't fair <laughs> we have to do the hard work throughout the whole sign to get to that point of equilibrium does that make sense it makes perfect sense and i smile because um on it started on twitter but i created something years ago called the zodiac mafia mm -hmm. and it's based on three you know the estimation of three signs that people underestimate that will fuck you up yeah right so the three are Libra, Capricorn, and Pisces. And Libra is the dawn of the Zodiac Mafia. Sure. Right? Like where people underestimate and like that cool rationality of that air sign where mm -hmm. Saturn have his, has his exaltation can lead itself to feeling that, you know, uh, Libra feels like it has to become or the Libra influenced person where that's the sun, moon, uh, Libra rising feels like they have to become instruments of justice. Right. The, so the, that, that really ties into it. I believe the phrase that I'm familiar with is the iron fist under the velvet glove. You know who was, you know, who that was matched with more often than not, other than Bismarck, Otto von Bismarck, mm -hmm. um, Margaret Thatcher, who was, oh, yeah. wait for it, a Libra. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. And you're right about Pisces too. Like this is something Tanya and I talk about is don't, don't mess with the Pisces. <laughs> like I know that They're they, two fish and yeah. you're only seeing one of them. Well, this is how I see Pisces as far as, and I, and I, I do a lot of analysis of like athletes charts and all the Pisceans that I see as athletes are willing to do anything to sacrifice their body to, to do, to win, you know? So like, if you get in a fight with a Pisces, they're not going to give two shits about breaking their face. They're going to break yours and their own in the process. And that's when you know you're like dealing with something that's like, oh man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like what they don't care about their safety whatsoever. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. June, it's it's on YouTube. You can do, I don't have anything written about the Zodiac Mafia, but 
I do have a video where I talk about it. You can do Zodiac Mafia and my name will come up. Yeah. Un are you Unlock Astrology on YouTube or is your... Something like that. I, you yeah. know, I, I, I don't have like, you know, I don't do as much on YouTube as probably I should. But yeah, if you do Unlock Astrology, you'll find a couple things. My own channel. And then also some work I've been doing with Karen Hunter on hers. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So we've got the equinox on the 22nd. Um, we have a Mercury Pluto square that is echoing the same energy that we had with the Venus Pluto square yeah. previously in the month. So, you know, how would you see the difference between a Mercury square with Pluto and a Venus square? Well, I mean, just by the themes of the planets, Venus is going to be more related, relational, mm. more, you know, in terms of how we're dealing with our desires. Mercury is more mental. Mm -hmm. um, so this we're you know, we can have positive expressions, ideally, of our obsessions, where we find our rabbit holes. Um, it's a great time related to going deeper with one's studies. Um, you know, so for instance, I, I, let's plug your your uh, talk tomorrow. You have that that Mercury Saturn trine, you go for the talk. Um, and then this is where you kind of get more into studying related to daemons, for example, or spirits, or right. more related to the history of decans, mm -hmm. you know, as an example, as a parallel. Yeah, like, going and under uncovering i like yeah i agree that this mercury pluto is a kind of like a private investigator like where you're really like saying okay how do i get uh do my research and do my um depth studies you yeah know? due diligence even yeah and and speaking of that if, if you are interested in the history of the deccans i have a free talk on my youtube channel called face off incorporating the deccans into your astrological practice that was I did as a guest speaker. Um, and uh, you can find that for free on my website if you want to deep dive into the history of the Deccans and how they were used. You can even watch that tonight after this if you want to get that right. before you sign up for the webinar tomorrow. <laughs> so that's a, Right, although some I think context. some of our European friends have been like, yeah, uh, I'll catch you in the morning. Yeah, it's like 4 a.m. there. Right. So, which is, we usually have a, a, a quite a contingent from Finland with us, but it's late in Finland right now. So all my Finnish friends are probably asleep. Yeah, so that's thank cool. you for accommodating me in terms of, you know, my schedule yeah. two hours behind you. No worries, no worries. We, we have a lot of west coast people too so like you know when there's uh multiple time zones in the world you just have to kind of pick a time and whoever can come can come you know all right so we've got uh mercury square pluto i guess my only con concern with this would be just be careful that uh you don't use your intellect and your communication skills to try to manipulate and to mm. do an underhanded negotiation I do think that Mercury and Libra is is questioning the deal, and this could be questioning the deal of of a bureaucratic process that we are working within with Pluto in the third decan of of Capricorn. That that decan is really associated with like government bureaucracies and things like that. So maybe there's some kind of negotiation that you're dealing with, with like the DMV or some some BS like yeah, that. You right. Know? I mean, I think there may be more scrutiny. Um, with different things. I mean, one of the things I've been thinking about, wading a little bit into controversial waters, not too deeply. Um, 
I think there may be more scrutiny that we may face in the public arena with some of the mandates that various parts of our government, not just the United States, other places are lying down. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there may be more questions. Now, I mentioned that there may be some civil unrest, yeah. um, but there may be some more questions that people may, you know, promote and promulgate about, yeah, well, well what does this really mean? I don't know if that's going to go to any particular courts within this time frame, but that would be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we're coming off the heels of all of the Afghanistan stuff as far as like, what is America's role as a, I don't know, colonizing imperialist nation, <laughs> you know, some superpower. of those, right, superpower challenges, uh, uh, world police, you know, whatever, right. whatever they claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, you know, and also, you know, some of the things coming out in the news today were some things with abortion laws in Texas and things like that, which, which could, that's, would, that's you know, however you, yeah, however you land on that, that issue, um, it, people should not sleep on the magnitude of that and the in the supreme court not weighing in on that i think that it you know and you know not to get too much off topic but you know i was looking at that with my assistant in relation to planned parenthood and developments related to that i think we're going towards some significant challenges to roe versus wade yeah at least in the united states i mean i don't know how it is in other parts of the world but you know, reproductive rights are definitely something that is um, going through some major shifts. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and that, that's that been in process since they put, um, what is her name, Coney Barrett on the, on the yeah. bench, right? So we knew we were going to have some kind of reckoning with that eventually. And I think, you know, this Texas thing is probably one of the first dominoes to fall that people are going to try to use as precedent to, you know, potentially spread that to other states. Uh, So yes, concerning, concerning times for sure. Um, And you're spot on, Laura. I mean, the United States is going toward its, its Pluto return, exact Pluto return tropically, um, February. So yeah, we're, we're, you know, without being too dramatic, we're going to have the test of whether America is going towards that handmaiden's tale type of experience or not. And are we going to allow that to happen or are we going to preserve some of the, you know, the, the freedoms that <clears throat> are important for women, uh, important for, I don't know, oppressed people of all natures and uh, dealing with the reckoning. And you, you talked about this in some of your great talks about uh, policing and about, uh, I believe you're tying in like Emmett Till and things of those themes and the reckoning of slavery in America and all of those themes bubbling up that we need to take the plunger to with the Pluto return, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Because, you know, regardless of where you, where anybody stands on with all these political issues, the reality is, is that this country has been built on some really challenging uh, history and, there's some great things about it, but there's also some really dark-sided things that have been ignored for a long time that will, I don't think we're going to be able to ignore, nor should we, uh, over the course of, you know, the next few years, decades, whatever. Um, and a lot of that has to do with how we've built our wealth and how we've treated our citizens, right? Spot on. All right. So we've got the 23rd coming up here. 
923. Yeah, let me see if I can get back to the days here without shutting down my share. So September the 23rd, uh, we have an opposition between uh, Venus and Uranus. Mm -hmm. So a little bit different flavor than those contacts with Pluto. Um, what do you think about Aphrodite meeting up with Prometheus here? <laughs> I like that you changed them. Yeah, because you know, that's that's even what Tarnus proposes about Uranus that we might have misnamed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I I think about that. I think you know when we highlight Venus and Uranus, we're usually talking about you know um, unusual tastes, unusual changes in unusual connections or having unusual connections and that can read you know a lot of people want to break down astrology into whether that's good or bad it depends on what you want this might be a good time to kind of change your different kind of cuisine mm -hmm. that you're used to or that you like on a very mundane practical level or it might be that you try something very different in terms of your love making that night right or <laughs> you know, i just keep it real i have a son in scorpio no it's cool it's cool so you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You know, there are ways in which you, you do that. Now, for other people, it may also where you um, feel a different attraction. And an attraction doesn't have to be just sexual. It could be sensual to something else. Mm. Um, so it's a refreshing way in which you incorporate. I believe in hacking your planets. When I talk about hacking, meaning that you're not just down, downloading the code as is, but you're trying to break the code in some way that becomes more meaningful to you. So we could talk about that as a remediation, but I also talk about it as a way in which you can fulfill what the gods are asking of you by the idea of the Venus Uranus opposition in a way that's more fulfilling. So going along with Prometheus, maybe bringing the fire in some way um, to something that that needs it, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about the, the power of Prometheus. Are you familiar with T. Susan Chang? No. So T. Susan Chang has this book on the Deccans, and she has a podcast called Fortune's Wheelhouse, where she talks a lot about the tarot. And one of the things I like about T. Susan Chang is she talks about sympathetic magic for the planets, where that the planets are going to give us some kind of impetus or impulse, and we have to find a, an outlet for it, right? And I think this right. is what you're talking about with... We, we need to find an outlet for this energy and we can, it's like you have a fire hose and you got like, you know, the water's coming through, you got to like direct it somewhere and you can't stop the water from coming out of the hose. But, you know, we see we're getting back into the sexual metaphors here, but you can figure out where Let's it's going to go. Look at our synastry. What, what makes this happen? That <laughs> I, we, don't like, I don't know. Right? I don't know. It's spicy time. Right. Um, but, but yeah. It, you said that. <laughs> right, exactly. So I think that it's one of these things where you know, finding the, you can choose, you know, for, for she gives an example with like, a, she pulls the 10 of swords card. And that's the one where all the, the swords are in the guy's back and he's down on the ground. She's like, I usually get like a potato and I put a bunch of needles in the potato. And then I say, this, this energy is going to go here today, you know, and that's just a small like example. But if you have Venus Uranus opposition, perhaps you intentionally shake something up rather than have it happen to you, right? Correct. You know, this is happening. Go out and like, don't get, get broken out of your everyday routine, or you're going to create enough, you're going to build up enough tension 
that it, it will be released potentially in, in conflict. And that's what, that's what you want to avoid most of the time. Although, you know, maybe there's something where you have a fight and then you have the, the makeup afterwards, you know, that's the, maybe that's the spice. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So we've got that Venus Uranus opposition on the 25th. We're heading around the bend here, heading around the bend, everyone. Thanks for staying up late with us tonight. Um, We've got the 25th of September. We have a Mars Saturn trine, right? Mars Saturn trine. Okay. What kind of energy are we going to be experiencing? Get it done. I mean, I think, you know, going in for a difficult task, Mm. a challenging task, um, you know, Mars, speaking of honoring energy, remediation energy, you know, creating the good bucket. I often tell my clients and students, Mars requires action. Mm. He requires contraction match within perhaps even ideally the explosion of energy. Right. Sure. So kind of soothing, slow yoga is not Martian. Right. Yeah, it's more so where you need to have like this. And maybe if you're going to do talk about asanas, you're going into very quickly into another asana. But there's some way in which you're dealing with that, that, that tightness of energy. And when he's matched with Saturn, um, it's kind of finding that that force and really finding something that is an involved project. Like, you know, for those of you who have garages, it might be a good time to start to clean that garage or, you know, something that's more absorbing now if we're talking about getting away from solo projects it, it would be a good time for real collaboration i don't know so much about the planning that's more mercury saturn trying yeah um but more where you are doing the work you know where you might even have a work party right to kind of make something happen to do something these might become significant manifestations or ways to to honor that trying yeah and and would you say that Saturn, this is something that was coming up when I was doing research on that, it's just lending some kind of focus or discipline to the actions that we take too. Absolutely. You know, being able to concentrate for long periods of time. Um, you know, this was another thing where uh, there's a book by Ren Butler um, called The Archetypal Universe, and he talks about Hephaestus with this combination, you know, the <clears throat> the blacksmith. And... Uh, so you can think about like you've got the hammer, Mars and the anvil, Saturn, and you're creating this this fire, this spark uh, through that hard, sweaty, dirty work. Um, I was thinking also just with the combination of being, Mars being in that, that decan that's associated with awareness of injustice and Saturn being in this kind of interesting collective place where there may be standing up for the oppressed or standing up for injustice and that makes sense. having courage maybe, right? I feel like the higher, I don't know, octave we could say of Mars or the higher expression of Mars is being courageous in the face of conflict, right? To respond to a conflict in a way that is it, with, it, with integrity, right? All right, so we should watch out for any major protests that happen on the 25th. Potentially, yeah, you for know, sure. Some statements where people have come out and like, Hell no, we won't go. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, some way in which people are making some statement related to, you know, injustice or injustices. Definitely. And, and you know, you were saying, too, um, just piggybacking back on some of the 
social issues that have been coming up. I believe as of today, and you can confirm this or not, but isn't Mercury entering its shadow period? I want to uh, talk to you. Yeah, I thought yeah. we might get to that because we're going to get to yeah, because we're going to talk Mercury about about to go Mercury you know, retrograde, right? We're going to talk about Mercury going retrograde. Yeah, and I'm curious if this might be a time period where people are starting to be like, hey, some of these really important reproductive rights are being taken away. Maybe this is the type of thing where people are really coming into an awareness of some of that injustice or things of that nature. That makes sense. I mean, although the question about the shadow, you know, kind of citing my buddy Gary Caton here, I mean, he he actually has qualms with the idea of the shadow. Okay. Um, and he's the Mercury guy. So I, I'm, <laughs> his qualm know. is very specific, which I understand. Um, and I can give a, a parallel or analogy to it. Not saying what you're saying is wrong. I mean, it's something that we should be attentive to, but we have to realize that as Mercury and I, we're about two days from talking about that meeting as we're in the 25th, yeah. as Mercury is, goes retrograde, there we often right pay attention to zodiacal longitude, mm -hmm. but we don't pay as much attention to celestial latitude by declination, right? right. So Mercury... The Mercury that starts off at his retrograde may at, may be at one particular point of declination, mm -hmm. and then when he by the time he comes out of his retrograde, he's going to be at a different point of declination. And the analogy I can give you is, if I go to the store from my house one particular way, and then from the store come back home a different way, have I fallen within the shadow of myself? No, I've kind of gone to, you know, between two points. Mm -hmm. Just as Mark Mercury is going to go between two points or degrees as he, you know, comes within his shadow, but he's not the same Mercury. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. He's at a different declination. He's at a different point related to his movement. And just for, for people to get it, it may be, it may look more like this. You know, Mercury starts off here by declination. He goes and, and he's down here. Right. right, right Although right. he's only, you know, he's still gone along zodiacal longitude. And retrograded but he's not at the same declination so instead of being east and west of the ecliptic we're talking about north and, north south. and south right exactly right. okay yeah in terms of latitude so i mean we have to recognize that mercury has kind of come a different way so the shadow is just looking at one particular sphere of heaven which is mm -hmm. the zodiacal longitude mm -hmm. yeah i i I've learned to trust Gary's uh, insights into Mercury for sure. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's a really interesting um, point to bring up. I guess I would say the only you know minor minor pushback on that I would say is, you know, in the Hellenistic tradition they talk about a retrograde planet being recalled to the witness stand to give addi additional testimony. So, and I don't even know if it's a disagreement because we're just talking about the shadow period. Yeah, I think there's something, you know, yeah. And so yeah. it's, but some people like, oh, the shadow and this kind of, but not recognizing then that um, going along with that analogy, which is really yeah. great. You know, when we call the witness back, is it the same witness? The witness has a different level of mindset. Hmm. Um, yeah, also, yeah. you know, things have, you know, changed for them. You mm -hmm. know, are they going to say the same story? I like, oh, I like that. I like that. I like they may where not you're tell going the same with this. Story. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. We, we've had more experiences over the course of when Mercury's gone through whatever it's gone through. So we have more knowledge to be able to 
or different knowledge to be able to make a decision rather than just completely revisiting something with blind, right? So mm -hmm. th when you're talking about the new pathway, it's not that, you know, whatever you've done has to be undone. It's like, well, you might have to, you know, kind of deal with a similar issue, but you've already gotten more life in between that time, right? <laughs> yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, perfect. All right. So with this Mercury retrograde, this is going to happen at 25 degrees of Libra on September the 27th. Um, this is a decan that is associated with the Four of Swords, where we see a figure that is resting kind of on top of a sarcophagus in a church. Um, themes with this decan are, uh, be, the, Austin Cobb calls it the gyroscope, where we're trying to find the point of balance, like the eye of the hurricane with many, I, I'm going to mix my metaphors here, but many we've got many plates spinning around us. We've got chaotic conditions, but we have to find that place of inner peace and I think of Mercury as this destabilizing, disruptive, questioning thing. So we may be questioning how we attain our inner peace um, and really having to renegotiate how we keep our uh, inner sanctum and sanctuary. Because um, I think it's going to be challenged. I think our inner peace is going to be challenged from right. this period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, Mercury even, I mean, though he's in, you know, um, you know, he's in the term or bounds of Venus. Mm -hmm. And we still think of Venus as a Lord, but he's also in the sign of Venus. Mercury, I think, starts to take on stronger shape here. And it's interesting that this happens during a moon in Gemini. Mm -hmm. um, so this is not just going to affect how we are relating to each other, but I think how we're thinking, how we're speaking to each other. Yeah. Um, so I think that really does become fairly salient yeah it turns direct on the 18th of october at what about 10 10 degrees libra yeah 10 degrees libra it turns direct you know one one other thing and just want to say with this mercury retrograde is it's really close to a fixed star called arcturus um mm -hmm. in the constellation Bootes, who is the the plowman or the the hunter that became a farmer and i think of arcturus as like these this point of domestication where we've kind of like learned how to refine uh, social relationships, um, you know, becoming more peaceful from a, a place of violence potentially. And there may be renegotiations about how we are going to domesticate ourselves with this uh, Mercury retrograde as well, where we say, well, this isn't working anymore. Maybe we need to reevaluate the types of agreements we have with each other so we don't like start killing each other or something of that nature that, that makes sense right, um, right or even things that are domesticated whether that's mm -hmm. animals or you know it's interesting that might be even in relation to particular foods yeah and, and we're probably gonna have to revisit that mercury pluto square that we went through earlier um in the weeks before that as mm -hmm. well um yeah, as that's coming up again back. Mm -hmm. yeah um, okay, so we're almost done here. On the 28th, we're going to be having a uh, a last quarter moon. And you were talking about the difference between the first quarter and the last quarter moon. Here it is here. Um, talk to me more about that existential crisis. Yeah, he calls it the crisis of consciousness, Roger. Yeah. Um, and I'll put the name in the chat for anyone who may not be familiar with Dane Roger's work because he has an interesting spelling to his name. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, the crisis of consciousness, you know, from the crisis of action, we feel an impulse toward taking action and moving forward. Mm -hmm. Then we go toward the second quarter, which technically really is the full moon. Then the last quarter really is a moment in which we've kind of had the harvest. And now we're at a period of reflection, Mm -hmm. thoughtfulness, understanding related to our intentions from the new moon. And it may be more the moment where it's like, okay, I've done this. I can do more, right? There's a different level of of reflection. And then like, okay, how do I kind of get to this next level? I'm going to go to one of my favorite things to kind of talk about, you know, as a Mars boy, you know, exercise, right? So it's like where you've peaked with one particular goal and it's not just weight loss, but maybe even, you know, I was able to kind of bench press you know, 125, right? So Mm -hmm. now you start thinking about, well, how do I get to 150? And how do I scale that? That's more that idea of the crisis of consciousness, how you start planning, thinking, also releasing, you know, you know, and going toward that sense of rest. Because, you know, if you kind of write after you do that 125, and you've been working toward that, and you're like, okay, I'm going to the gym tomorrow, you're going to fuck up. (laughs) You're going to mess up. Yeah. Right. Anyone who works out and knows about that knows that you're going to be going toward that. You have to have that rest. So the crisis of consciousness ties that in as well. Yeah, I'm a last quarter moon, baby. So I live this. And it's always like, a, you know, questioning what you're doing. (laughs) I feel, feel, you know, like it's a it's not that it's difficult bringing things into being like the first quarter moon square, um, which my partner has, has lives. Uh, but it's more about, um, why are you doing what you're doing and is it the right thing? (laughs) Right. It's the why. Yeah. And I climbed this mountain. Now I've done it. Yeah. How do I get down and why did I climb it in the first place? Yeah. And you know what? I, I, this Dane Ridyard theory has really helped me accept that what I might actually be good at is helping people to release form and release old ideas mm-hmm. rather than having to like build things up all the time. Yeah. And uh, I found that to be quite a, su- a success for me is just really getting in touch with that type of energy more so than just saying, oh, I have to generate all the time. No, I, I might be more of the, the composter that is, is questioning things for people so that they in turn question what they are doing to maybe return something to the earth to free them up mm-hmm. and to liberate them for whatever it is that the next thing is. So that's how I kind of look at that energy. Um, With this particular last quarter, you know, that that first decade of cancer is really about where do we find our nurturing and and how do we receive and give um, sustenance and and mothering and and love and all of those domestic things. And that may be coming into conflict with what we think is fair, uh, what is um, socially acceptable uh, you know, this is this is another point where I could see, you know, I, I hate to keep going back to this horrible thing that, that was happening today, but this could also be another point where we're questioning those new, um, you know, rights, women's rights laws and their bodies and like how, what, what it really means to mother and to uh, a pregnancy, abortion, all of those issues could be uh, really coming to the fore around this period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think this story is over. I, th- this, th- that was a big Oh, deal. no. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, several other things that we're talking about related to abortion rights is interesting. Texas, same state. 
made some also drastic changes to voting rights. Right. right? Yeah. In terms yes. of how people can vote. Right. So there's definitely something, you know, at least in Texas that we're, you know, there's some ways in which we're trying to, you know, limit uh, how people are able to kind of um, deal with aspects of government, right? Um, and yeah. make those particular changes. Now, some may say who are more on the conservative side, it's a refinement right. um, related to that. And those of us who might be more on the progressive side of things may say like, it's a restraint. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting yeah. to see how these, these things come to a loggerhead. It, it, it definitely is. There's, um, Texas is an interesting social experiment right now, uh, holding on to whether you can truly be independent part of an independent part of this union or this country. You know, it's testing the limits of what can one state do versus being and still be part of, you know, the United States. I think that's a I'm interested to see how that plays out. And federalism is a very interesting experiment. Period. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. So we'll be we'll be here with our popcorn ready. <laughs> like, I guess. Yep. Um, okay, so that's our last quarter moon phase here. Um, as we move towards the very end of the month here, we're going to have on the 29th, uh, Venus is going to be making a trine to Neptune. Um, we're also going to see on that same day, the sun trining Saturn and Venus making a square with Jupiter. So do you think you've got, what do you got for this combination of elements here, this combination of aspects all perfecting on the uh, same I think day? That may also, you know, similar to what we say, you know, be careful what you wish for, or you can always get what you want. Um, I think it's, you know, especially in terms of how we're talking about, you know, some measure of um, what do we have here? We have you know, Venus trying to Neptune. Where do we have the square? Um, Sorry, my drawings are all... Are all oh, we have the Venus-Jupiter <laughs> square. So it's kind of like with the Venus-Jupiter square, that's highlighting, you know, more so we're, you know, have a good time, but not too much of a good time, mm -hmm. right? So I think the Saturn trine helps in kind of giving more stability, discipline, right. order. Um, and then, you know, with the Venus-Neptune trine, it's more so where you can enjoy the sense of what's ideal and being in your pleasure without realizing, you know, you don't need to do too much. To simplify this and even kind of give it an illustration, you might be good, let's, let's go with something really mundane, like, you know, drinking. Mm -hmm. um, you might be really good with that one glass of sangria or that, you know, those one shot, that one shot or two shots, right? right? Or that one can of beer, but, you know, Maybe because you're like, oh, I had a stressful time or, um, oh, yeah, I'm having a good time. You know, you feel like, well, maybe I should have two more. Probably mm. not. <laughs> yeah. Know your limits on this day. Yeah. Recognize um, your limits and right. but shoot to feel good, but not too good. Yeah. That's really interesting that you say that because the, the Venus in uh, Scorpio 3 is associated with the Seven of Cups card, which shows all the temptations that are presented to us. Yeah, right. You know? yeah, and it's an illusion. Yeah. So there may be illusion involved with that. 
And it's really about releasing some of these bad habits. So it's, it's really, it's important, I think, to not get tempted by all these different things, whether they're physical, whether they're um, mental, emotional, like fame, vanity, all the, all the seven deadly sins, I guess they would talk about with that card on some level, greed, bust, all those things. Um, because those are things that can bring us away sometimes from our sense of our higher self, our spirit, our, all of those things. And, you know, like you said, though, moderation is the key. Yeah, and, I was going to say, we started yeah. off talking about hunger. Yeah. So this is like, sate your hunger and do no more. Right. right? Exactly. Just be satiated. Right? There you go. You know, rather than thinking like, oh, you have to do more than your fill because maybe, you know, there might not be any food in the fridge later or let me drink this. Let me get that extra drink to feel good. Um, you know, not thinking about tomorrow, not thinking about sometimes the hangover that looms yeah. in the horizon. You know, and I, people are like, yeah, he's a moon and Leo. I don't drink actually. So it's not, but I have. So it's not like it's a, you know, a thing for me, but, you know, I do know, you know. I, do, I don't we, drink either. So we're on the wavelength. Like, yeah. So it's just more like dealing with the one things that I guess we're going toward the weekend mm-hmm. um, at that particular time, because the end of the month happens on the Thursday. Right. So all so those things that. kind of converging on the 29th, the 30th really mm-hmm. might be like the build up, you know, going from hump day toward, you know, um, the weekend It's just be careful, enjoy yourself, but not too much. There you go. Respecting your boundaries. Yeah. yeah I, I had an alcohol experience in high school where I, I got alcohol poisoning. Just some girl was filling a, a mug with vodka at a party. You know, I didn't know anything about alcohol and almost died. So I kind of learned my lesson about limits very oh, that's early interesting. on. Because so. I had a similar experience in college. Did you? Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's not it's not a super uncommon story, I don't think. Um, but I'm very fortunate actually to be alive because I was somebody found me face down on a, a gas station like concrete slab, like almost choking in my own vomit. So oh, <laughs> like God. sorry to be so gross about it, but but I just if that story will inspire people to know their limits, uh, yeah, I ended up, time. I ended up, yeah, I ended up in a hospital, you know, yeah. and the and the nurse yep. said, you know, I asked, she told me the next day, I asked, I asked you how much you had to drink, and you said mm-hmm. E equals MC squared. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. through, through through sheer naivete in an experience, like I just didn't mm-hmm. even know what was happening at that time, and 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 I reap the consequences of that. I, I got suspended from, from my basketball season. I, I had the first 10 games of my baseball season. I got fined. I was in a very uh, conservative area of Western Michigan that was like not super excited that an, an underage minor was drinking. And um, I, I learned my lesson. And that, that actually, I'm grateful for that experience, though. I'm gra- grateful to have survived it um, because it really, I think, kept me maybe from getting involved in some of those things that wouldn't have been good for me moving forward. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm pretty much as sober as they come at this point. So, good. all right. Well, my friends, uh, I think we've gotten through the month. I, do have. Have, I, I have two more little contextual things for people here. And we'll just, if you want to touch on these things briefly, um, at the end of every show, I talk about an animal, and I talk about the I Ching. I do an I Ching reading for the month. And uh, this month, I got the ladybug, which is uh, a symbol of luck, fortune, 
happiness, protection, uh, a wish granted, um, some kind of fortunate life change, innocence, love. But it, it talks about stop pushing and letting things happen. It is about allowing life to happen, right? When we've talked about that a lot today of, of, our, of our hungers, right? And not getting our, letting our desires overwhelm us. Um, and the hexagram that I got today, do you, do you use the I Ching at all, Sam? Not as much. I need to learn more about it. I love it. It's such a cool oracle. A lot of times with astrology, I feel like astrology tells me circumstance and and like maybe concrete things. And I really like the I Ching for learning sort of like, what am I supposed to do about this? What kind of morals or values could I utilize to to be my best self and to take the best, um, most well I don't know, thought out actions or even lack of actions. That's what's interesting about the I Ching. And this is hexagram number 17, which is called following, allegiance, loyalty, adapting, hunting, where we're talking about hunting and hunger. Um, and, and it's moving towards 55, which is called the abundance, zenith, fullness, splendor, plenty, being generous, making most of the present. And we've got two changing lines. Line number three says, says one clings to the strong man and loses the small boy through following one gets what one seeks it is beneficial to remain constant and steadfastly faithful so some notes i had on this sam it said letting go of old habits and relationships opening mm -hmm. up to new possibilities by releasing the past old forms forging a new relationship with a more mature outlook right um that's where we're talking about you know, clinging to the strong man and losing the small boy of immaturity, right? Right. Uh, and line number five says, sincerity leads to excellence, good fortune. So excellence. this one, I think, is really about talking about um, choosing wisely when we're choosing a goal. Uh, you know, the quality of the goal that you choose to pursue is important. So setting your sights on something noble, devoting yourself to a, a worthy cause or pursuit, generally, I think, can increase the chances of success. And, and a lot of those things are about serving your community. So I think that when you devote yourself to something noble, I definitely feel like the universe wants that to happen. You know, if you are devoting yourself that is something less than noble, you may find yourself with more challenges, obstacles, it may not be easy. If, it may be easy at first to do something ignoble, but uh, eventually it will catch up with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know it's interesting that you framed it as sincerity. Mm -hmm. You know, um, leading to excellence. You know, in terms of you know what you were reading, because it made me think. You know, going back to the beginning, that might be also Mars Neptune, the opposition. You know, mm -hmm. dealing more with the purity of motive, sincerity. You know, I was, I actually was writing it in Islamic terms. I was writing ikhlas, which is sincerity, leads to ihsan, which is excellence. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's a way in which, and sincerity is more so purity of the heart or mm -hmm. from the heart, period. Yeah. And, you know, no one can tell you what becomes pure, what is pure from your heart. Right. But you have to get in touch with it. And know your heart and let that direct you so hmm. i love that yeah maybe the theme that we're dealing with for this month yeah 
I think sincerity is also connected with integrity. And I, and I like to think of integrity as the unification of the inner and the outer. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of the times we run into problems when the outer reflection of how we are in the world does not reflect our inner feelings, thoughts, and whatever right. it is we are in the inside. And bringing those two things together, I think is really the fundamental part of integrity. And then you're not going to be fighting yourself. One, one thing that um, my friend Tatiana uh, on our last live stream was talking about was uh, peace begins, external peace begins when you're at peace with yourself. You know, if you're not at peace internally, it's very hard for you to cultivate and to contribute to that externally. So with all these Libra planets, you know, being other focused, I think that you can bring something to the table through cultivating that calmness, that inner center, um, that like sincerity. I love the way that you're translating it to the, to the Arabic, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really great. Um, so very cool. Well, Sam, this was wonderful, my this friend. This is great. I, I hope, yeah. I'm, I know, we, did we go a little longer than usual? Yeah, yeah, I, I, okay. we, we go as long as we go. You okay. know? And it was funny because I remember I was like, yo, we're going to talk about the month of September for 90 minutes. Here we are, you know, almost 150, well, actually 150 minutes later, right? Well, I didn't um, want to scare you when I said 90 minutes. I did, sometimes if I say we're going to go two and a half hours, then people are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> I was like, I was like, are we going to do 90 minutes? And then yeah. like, oh, wow, we just easily did two and a half hours. And that's so, well, I, I just wanted to, got something I, from it. I wanted to respect your time. So that's why I was saying that. But uh, that's why I keep checking in with you, seeing if you're good to go, you know? No, I'm good. All right. Yeah, well, this was super fun, Sam. I, I'm really happy that you were able to join us today. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you again in person. I really enjoyed I our know, time together. I know, I can't wait. I don't know which one we're going to see. I mean, like, there's two yeah. conferences that we at least know of in person. Yeah. So there's NORAC, and then there's going to be ESAR, inshallah. So we'll see. Well, we'll see, man. I hope I hope we get to to share some time, some lobby yeah. time, or go out to and share a meal together, my friend. So. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for and thank you for having me, Spencer. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, everyone. Great to have the chat and the interaction. Yeah, I'm Jackie, just I'm Tanya, looking at the Lisa, chat here, yes. seeing if there's anything I missed. But June. thank you all for being here on the chat today. Really, oh, appreciate Nicholas it. is still here. He's hanging in there. I thought he had like <laughs> psycho pumped off. He's listening to some audiobook in his car right now. I mean, he's he... doing two or three different things. I'm sure. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. I, so. I I I keep up with his Instagram, so I I, I really right. love him. I saw him listening to an audiobook about the something with Hermes and just watching the emotions on his face was just very <laughs> it was very pleasant so good job uh sparkles for uh keeping us entertained with that um so Sam again you have courses that are coming up yep courses at unlockastrology.com they can go to and look for classes that'll probably start in October okay um it will start in October inshallah and then I also am going to be doing on October what did I say? Second, October 2nd, mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing a workshop, what's called an ESAR intensive for ESAR on the essential dignities. Nice. And then I'm also participating in the NCGR conference in November. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's several different things I'm doing, but yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm forgetting one other thing. Hold on. Um, get my calendar up. I also am doing something for uh, the Twin Cities Astrology Organization. Okay. Um, that is September uh, 18th. So um, NCGR Twin Cities from four to six 
if you do a Google search, you'll be able to find them. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on Saturn, Pluto, Uranus stuff. And you I, do I, consultations I, as well? I do consultations. Um, so you can book it at unlockastrology.com. All right. So visit Sam. Go to all of his, his uh, talks and meetings. Um, he's a great teacher. He's got Jupiter and Virgo, so he's got my stamp of approval. Uh, for feed. Share that, right? Yeah, you the nitty-gritty ditty, the ditty details the is, you know, is, is dear to my heart. Um, and if you want to support the work that I do, I ha do have a talk coming up on the Decans of Virgo tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern, Eastern Daylight Time. Sorry, it's not standard yet. Uh, there is a link to that in the description of the video if you want to register. It'd be great to have you there. We're going to do a deep dive into Virgo. Um, if you are new to this channel, make sure that you've hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Uh, make sure to hit that like button. And uh, if you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for being there with me today. And thank you, Sam. This was a pleasure. It was a delight. Do, thank you. Do it again, my friend. Yes, I hope so. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.